I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening. Hope you are well. I'm Adam Castro. Gareth A. Davis alongside me for another fight night. Live on TalkSport, your home for boxing. Lots to get through. Lots of conversational points. And we'll also keep you up to date with what's going on at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester this evening as Huey Fury returns to the ring. Coming up in a moment or two, you're going to hear from Andy Ruiz because my man Gareth A. Davis has been out in his gym watching the big guy train getting prepared for Madison Square Garden next weekend. He was in good spirits, wasn't he, Gareth? He was indeed. Good evening, Adam. Yes, he... uh, I tell you what, he moves all right for a big fella. He's going to be a challenge early on, in my view, for Anthony Joshua, but he's got a lot of really interesting things to say. That's next week, obviously. Madison Square Garden, June the 1st. Anthony Joshua's American debut... Uh, against Andy Ruiz Jr. There's a couple of Brits on that undercard, which we're going to speak about a little later on. You're going to hear from one of them as well. Tommy Coyle's on there against Chris Algieri, former world champion. Uh, Callum Smith was due to be on the show. He's training, though, he's the boy, you know what I mean? He's uh, he's taken a fight near enough on 10 days' notice. I say that. We've known that it's going to happen, but it was announced 10 days out uh, from uh, his own uh, efforts at Madison Square Garden next weekend. Vidal Riley will be with us in around about half an hour. That's uh, a gentleman that is uh, making his way in the cruiserweight division. You might be familiar with him from training KSI from that fight with Logan Paul that went massive on YouTube. Uh, Barry McGuigan needs no introduction. He's going to be joining us. Shannon Courtney's going to be in the studio. Frank Warren, Tommy Coyle, and you'll hear from Jamie Moore on the show as well. Action packed, let me tell you. Uh, now then, let's get stuck into the uh, big three stories of the week. Story number one. Is it on? Is it off? Well, they had their meeting this week and the IOC exec board have recommended that boxing stays in the Olympics without Aiba in charge. This is massive because at one point, Gareth, it looked very real that boxing might get booted out. Yeah, I think there was a risk of that, Adam. It would have been an enormous story if we'd heard this week from the International Olympic Committee that um, amateur boxing wasn't going to be in the Olympics Pancration, boxing and wrestling and boxing itself, part of the ancient games, of course. Um, Real tapestried, deep history of boxing in the Olympics. Um, But I think the IOC have made a great move because the um, international amateur body, um, the world governing body for it, really needs putting in order. There have been so many discrepancies in uh, Olympic games it needed putting in place. It'll be fantastic or fascinating even 
to see how they manage to yeah. administrate it. That's going to be the big challenge for the IOC. Well, when we know more about how it's going to be administered, you'll hear it here on TalkSport. Number two this week. I don't know about you, Gareth, but I am still in awe from the little ju- uh, monster from Japan. He was sensational in Glasgow last week, Noye Inoue, and the conversations regarding people that do this for a living have been saying, is he the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet? There's an argument for it, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think you can stretch to that, but I think um, I want to see... Um, he's What is he, 18-0 and 0 now, isn't he? Uh, is it 16 knockouts in 18 fights? Something yeah. like that. Uh, listen, he's carried his power, the monster, the little monster... Um, up the weight divisions up to 118 pounds and he still has extraordinary power um, it's certainly something to celebrate his um, his banjoing of I'm using that word a lot at the moment his ban- <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of people being banjoed um, his banjoing of um, Emmanuel Rodriguez in Glasvegor La- sorry not Glasvegor Glas- <laughs> Glasgow last week was something to behold and it doesn't surprise me that people are jumping on the Inui bandwagon. Absolutely. Number three this week. Speaking of banjoing, Deontay Wilder seems to be made for the current Instagram generation. He's had 20 first round knockouts, all of which have gone viral, 40 in total in his professional career. He is something else. For a man that maybe doesn't have the best technique, he has dynamite in his fists. And he'd most certainly strengthened the argument for making that fight with Anthony Joshua sooner rather than later. Yeah, look, um, I'm I'm on record. I've written this week and I've said this week on air already. And um, I'm, I, there's no bones about this for me. And I think I wrote a little note in Boxing News this week when they asked people's opinions about things. Who's the biggest puncher, most dangerous puncher, Inui or Wilder? For me, it's Wilder. Wilder is... In history, and regardless of his competition, he is one of the most dangerous men with one single punch in the history of the heavyweight division. And I'm including Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Joe Lewis, who was who had a big punch but didn't necessarily knock everyone out with one punch, Rocky Marciano, Ernie Shavers, Mike Tyson, you can go on and on. He has a cannonball right hand and I do think Adam and I know we'll talk about this tonight putting it into perspective how well Tyson Fury did against him after two facile fights uh, to come back after 30 months away and do what he did against Deontay Wilder sensational there you go the big three stories this week from the world of boxing I just want to keep talking about Wilder because we were lucky enough to be ringside to watch that sensational fight at the back end of last year between him and Tyson Fury. And it was an extraordinary fight, which we both concluded that Tyson Fury was unlucky not to get the decision. I think we both scored it 114-112 in the, in the Gypsy King's favour. But even in that fight, we did get to see that extraordinary power of Deontay Wilder. On a couple of occasions, he did have Tyson on the deck. And it was no surprise to me whatsoever that he got the job done against Dominic Brazil. The only surprise that really stood out is that how quick he did it. Within a round, he most certainly sent shockwaves right back across this heavyweight division. And has put a little bit of pressure on Anthony Joshua next week because oh, Anthony Joshua oh. has to live up to what Wilder did last week. He's got to have another viral moment, hasn't he? Listen, definitely. Look, I spoke to Anthony Joshua last night in Miami, Adam. Um, I couldn't record it. It was with a group of uh, American and British journalists on a select call that we had. He sounded grumpy, which I was pleased about. 
He was uh, short-tempered, asked, answering questions. Um, he he said last night that um, there is pressure on him that he respects Andy, Andy Ruiz, that he wants a knockout in New York. Um, he knows the history of Brits going there and what an important venue it is, what an important fight for this is for him on short notice that he's expected to win easily. That's what the punters think. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's 20 to 1 on, isn't he, to win this fight? 25 to 1 it might be, actually. And I think, you know, there is pressure on him. You only need one banana skin in the heavyweight division. 39 to 1 or 42 to 1, Buster Douglas was. Mm. Remember when he went to the Tokyo Dome in 1990 and stopped Mike Tyson in the t- uh, ninth or 10th round. Sorry, but the, my mind escapes me right now. Um, I think it was the 10th round. And, you know, there was there, there's, there's always trouble there. Um, Andy Ruiz has got nothing to lose. I think there is massive pressure on Anthony Joshua. There's one thing on Deontay Wilder, and that knockout of uh, Dominic Brazil though Adam I just you look at the techniques of those two guys they're really not the most technical men in the world at all are they and you know we can expect a very different fight when Anthony Joshua um, faces Deontay Wilder if they if and when they do I hope they will I know we'll discuss it tonight Mm. at some point but for me um, you know it's it, it it just shows and I repeat this look what technique does against dangerous power look what look what uh, Tyson Fury managed to do for 36 minutes against Deontay Wilder at the end of that fight Wilder's technique and abilities as a boxer were being utterly belittled if we go back seven months now mm. um, there was almost disdain for the man but you know what he has dangerous aspects to him yeah he's an incredible athlete very powerful freakishly powerful and he's just one of those guys you just do not want to be hit by you hit by him he knocks you out the thing is tyson fury is as i'm sure you would agree with me is probably the best boxer in the heavyweight division so for him to do that to deontay wilder is of no great surprise everybody else don't get me wrong there's some good technicians out there there's some guys with great form but I genuinely believe that Deontay Wilder, sooner or later, in a fight, would get to the majority of those heavyweights, bar Tyson Fury. And, and even saying that, he got to Tyson Fury. It's just that Tyson Fury ended up getting up in that 12th round when he was clipped with the with the left hook. I, I, you know, I know we throw a lot of shade on his technique and uh, and what he does, and it doesn't look the prettiest at times. Doesn't matter. But, and exactly that. Exactly it doesn't that. matter. He, he must have something because he's obviously doing this on a regular enough basis to be. And and that's no mug. He must be setting it up in some way in order to get that right hand through and that right hand as you mentioned flipping heck I haven't seen a right hand like that in heavyweight division for a long long time he's very very unorthodox I remember watching him in his own gym in Alabama and he actually fell over practicing one punch because he'd thrown <laughs> his body no I'm not joking I'm honest to God he was he was trying out some punches and he threw himself around and onto the floor I think he did a 540 I said what's 360 plus 180 yeah 540 he went one and a half times round touched down with his gloves and he, he and his coach Jay Diaz were just laughing about it but he's prepared to try things. He's not a technical fighter. He is going to get to you and beat you up. What I don't like is him telling you he's going to kill you and put you in a body bag beforehand. Correct. Nothing's gone on about that um, afterwards. He, did it. he addressed it afterwards in the post Not he really. I, I, nah, he fudged it, Ed. He, he fudged it. it. Yes, he did, but he did address it. And I just hope now that he has learned his lesson because I think we said on the show last week, he, he creates this character, doesn't he? He creates this bronze bomber character mm. and he kind of hides behind that in order to get himself up for fight week because we've spent 
time with Deontay Wilder. He's actually a nice guy. You well, know, it, well, in fight week, I got the bronze bomber in my face, you if you remember. You got full bronze bomber. I, yeah, but... I, I got the hairdryer <laughs> treatment from the bronze bomber. And, and people love to meme me on that and now and again. They go, you... you um, you you peed yourself there, G man. Yes. You're, st- you're still running, and you know what he does. He has got this persona. I f- I find him very compelling. Yes. Um. I just want him to tell people he's going to knock their head off or spark them out. I I I just, you know, God forbid that Dominic Brazil had been killed by that punch last week. Boxing would have looked terrible. What would Wilder have said? in that moment would he have had to follow through with the words he'd said about mm. would he be saying oh god i'm sorry i killed him i wish i said i wish i'd said i hadn't didn't want to kill him but you said you wanted to kill him it's all that's what i said i've talked about the moral compass of that kind of comment there's absolutely no need for it yes he's got a persona yes there's a history of you know mike tyson remember saying he wanted to push someone's nose back up into their brain when he hit them with an uppercut mm. we have these kind of comments he wanted to eat lennox lewis's children before he even had children if you remember yeah. you know um you get all these kind of comments like you say they are part of the 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 the, the, the i don't know the cloak of fight week, of leading into the fights. And, you know, like, like you say, he did climb down afterwards, told him he loved him, he was glad he was going back to his family. But like you say, I hope he's learned his lesson and he doesn't say it yeah, again. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we follow this on a regular basis so we can we can understand where that comment has come from and it doesn't necessarily resonate with the actual man, Deontay Wilder. It's this, uh, this third character that he creates. But there's a lot of people that like to hate on boxing. There's a lot of people out there that don't want to see boxing as a sport. And when they see the heavyweight champion of the world saying those types of words, it just fuels the argument in order for them to attempt to get this sport shut down. Yes. <laughs> Regard- regarding... <laughs> The performance. I, I, I couldn't add to that. It was perfect. Thank you. But regarding the performance, though, <laughs> in the ring, the performance I thought was extremely important. The way you went about that to get that viral moment, because we do live in this low uh, attention span world, don't we? Everybody's on their phones. Everybody's in Instagram. Everybody's on social media. And for ha- I have- might have been on social media when you asked me that last question. If well, I'm totally right. honest. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> now, now to have your whole fight be able to go viral, the whole fight go viral, two minutes and seventeen seconds for that whole thing to yeah. go viral with the the culmination of that one punch knockout. That is a very powerful thing in the modern world. Yeah, of course it is. I personally think that that gives him a little bit more leverage when it comes to the discussion table with Anthony Joshua. I'm not saying it changes the balance of power, but what I am saying is that, end of the day, this guy brings an awful lot to the table and he needs to be taken seriously rather than, you know, no 50-50 splits or 60-40 splits or whatever the negotiations negotiations are at this moment in time. I completely agree. I'm going to answer more fully this time. Um, Thank you. Hashtag till this day, isn't it, the... um, the Wilder tweet um, when he knocks Brazil out. That's how he's hashtagged it. Listen, I was at the um, Bermain-Stavern knockout, which was unbelievable mm. in New York. Same venue, Barclays Centre. He does like knocking him out in the Barclays yeah. Centre. He did Spilker Louis there as well, didn't he? Spilker there as yeah. well. Um, I mean, obviously, he's fought there a few times, but Spilker, but I was live at that one. Okay. Bermain, and it was brutal. Um, it was frightening because, you know, as you know yourself, there's watching it on TV. Yeah. I know people watch it in HD and 3D and all that kind of... But when you hear the crack sometimes, mm-hmm. or you hear the pain, or you hear air leaving someone's body mm-hmm. when they breathe outwards, the Luis, or, Luis Ortiz, I should speak this properly because uh, hablando en español, Luis Ortiz, of course, was a really brutal knockout. But Main Stevern, I mean, in my mind's eye... 
Deontay Wilder flies 18 feet across a ring and hits Bermain Stevan mm-hmm. into the ropes and crumples him like clothes into a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Against Luis Ortiz, he's struggling, and then he pulls out an uppercut from hell. You know, and he and he and he just polexes the guy. Dominic Brazil, the same. The the man's legs, the, the punch. You know, I'm waiting for a meme on this one that someone gets Thor's hammer, puts it in his hand like a cartoon. He just smashes it through Brazil's chin because it is almost like a lightning bolt went through him. Mm. He just just it went straight through to his boots, didn't it? Mm. Instantly, the brain went to sleep. He, like you say. His highlight reel, Adam, belongs to the very best highlight reels. And that's what he is. He is a knockout artist. What is it, 40 out of 41 now? Yeah. There you go. Bingo. And they've all touched down, but one of them got up. And we'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. But it most certainly puts a little bit of pressure on Anthony Joshua next week, who fights Andy Ruiz. You caught up with him uh, a little earlier on in the week. We're going to hear that next here on Fight Night. You're listening to Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davies uh, alongside me. Coming up shortly, we're going to have in the studio Vidal Riley, a man making his way in the cruiserweight division. Also, quite an astute trainer. He's the guy that trained KSI uh, for his big fight against Logan Paul uh, on YouTube. Barry McGuigan's going to be joining us, as is Shannon Courtney, Frank Warren, Tommy Coyle, and you'll hear from Jamie Moore as well. Uh, time for our first guest. And Gareth A. Davies has been out in the States catching up with a man that is stepping into the ring at Madison Square Garden with Anthony Joshua next week. It is, of course, Andy Ruiz Jr. So it's your grandfather, though, that's, that started your love of your father's love in boxing. But you never got to meet your grandfather. Though. I never got to meet him. Yeah. And, you know, luckily my dad found love with this sport. Um, and he took me to the boxing gym, you know, I was six years old. And there's the first day that I walked into the boxing gym, um, they made me spar uh, two weeks um, that I was there, and they kicked my ass, man. Really? They kicked but you, could you take it straight away? Yeah, you, I took it. Even as a little kid? Uh-huh, yeah. I took it, but I was crying. I told really, my dad, really, uh, really. I don't want to do this. And he looked me to the eyes and said, you know what, Andy? You could do it, man. Just stick training. You could do yeah, it. Yeah. And what do you know? I ended up, end up following it. And when I was seven years old, I did my first amateur fight. So I've been fighting when I was... All my life. Basically. Yeah. And how does your mum feel about you fighting? My mom's Every not Mexican mum loves their sons, uh-huh. you know? My mom's not nervous at all no, no more. Out of 33 fights that I have now, um, she's not scared. She knows does she go? Yeah. She, oh, she goes now. She traveled the whole world okay. with me when I was in the Mexican Olympic yeah. team. Oh, right. wow. So we traveled everywhere. Yeah. Went to China. Went, to you. went everywhere with yeah. me. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So you don't see the family, you don't see your kids during camp, you know? Um, you the, 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 the beginning of the camp, yeah, but um, when it's getting closer, well, I got to stay away, you know, because yeah. then I'm going to want to harass my old lady, and we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that in camp. Yeah, but, but also you've got to get, that, that thing is rising in you, isn't it? That yeah. animal. I mean, like, you know, we're two and a half weeks away here, and you're very relaxed, and but I know I'm going to see a different guy in fight week. Yeah, you'll do your duties and all mm-hmm. the media duties, but there'll be a different... No, but there's already that look in your eye, yep. you know? Yeah, you're searching yourself for something, aren't you? You know, mm-hmm. of you course, know what you you've know, got to do. The, I think the, the nervous and all that, I think it'll come um, closer to the fight, mm. but it's going to be a good nervous, exciting nervous, and a nervous that, you wanna, that I want to prove the world uh, wrong, you know? 
in here and in here and in your being is there this thing yeah I've been put here for a reason I probably am going to create destiny here exactly that's yeah. exactly exactly you just said everything you have that point. vibe about you though it's very mm -hmm. relaxed and it's very it's coming you know yeah but it's coming you know I'm, I'm just 29 years old I still got a lot of a lot of um, a few more years that, that I want to be in this sport and but I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop training until I'm um, the Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. Thank you very much, brother. Thank it's you. great spending time with you. Thank you so much Appreciate for having that. me into your camp. It's mm -hmm. really appreciated. Congratulations yeah. on getting the fight. Now you just got to get the job done. Mm -hmm. No, gotta have fun, man. June first. Andy Ruiz Jr. catching up with uh, Gareth A. Davis a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, this. Uh, next week, he steps into the ring at Madison Square Garden against uh, Anthony Joshua. And I don't know about you, Gareth, but f for me, being a person that covers fight sports, that's one of the big privileges in our game. For guys that follow football and, and cover other sports, the access that we get is, is unbelievable at times. And I personally learn more from being in a camp like that than a scheduled media week or anything like that. You get to see the real guy. You get to see a real rawness. And you could hear that in the conversation that you were having with Andy there. Yeah, I mean, it was very intimate. I mean, I, I worked very hard to get into his camp. No one else from the British media has been in that camp. I'm the only one that was there 10 days ago, it was now. Um, and I did have to bide my time for two hours and sit and watch. And uh, But even in that time, you do learn just by watching, just by watching what he's going through. It's my job, Adam. It's my job. <laughs> it's what I do. I've done it for nearly 30 years. And, you know, hopefully I'm good at it. And what what... I was interested to ask you, because I was there, and I've got a lot more that I talked to Andy about, how he came across to you, because I was very impressed with him, believe it or not. Mm, seems extremely calm. Seems uh, a person... You kind of summed it up at the uh, at the last moments there of that conversation, uh, that a guy that seems... I don't know whether he is or not, but seems quite spiritual, that he seems to believe that this is part of where he's supposed to be. This is... It's not a surprise to him that he is fighting Anthony Joshua for uh, the Unified yeah. Heavyweight Championship of the World. Exactly. And when I said this and this to him, I pointed at my heart and my head. And uh, as he said, you're spot on. And, you know, he's taking this on five and a half weeks notice. Our listeners should be aware of the fact that if they're not, you know, he might look like uh, Billy Bunter. Yeah, people call him in the fat slob, the Billy Bunter of boxing. Um, he went 12 rounds with Joseph Parker. So did Anthony Joshua, and he couldn't put him away either. Um, he's 20 knockouts in 31 victories. Parker is the only defeat. Um, and it was very close. I actually genuinely scored that. Um, you could have scored it either way. Well, I think I, I might have told him. him. Yeah, yeah, I scored exa it around to exactly. Him. So, you know, this could have been the WBO champion that Anthony Joshua was facing last year in Cardiff. You know, or was that? Yeah, it was last yep, year, wasn't yep, it? Yep. Um, the, the, here's the thing: the the one thing I took away from it was Andy's not a really big man. He's not a big six foot two. He's not a tall six foot two. Um, I found him like I watched two hours of him working out and I had two hours chatting to him and his family. You know, I, I learned great things about him, like his dad. When he was 12 years old, he's been called a chubby little fat kid all his life, yeah, mm. with, with man boobs. And he said, I just fight people over it or I just laugh at people now on social media. His dad told me how he was, he was pulling him off the street even at the age of 10 to 12 when he was fighting with police, yeah? Fighting with men in the streets. Probably because they were calling him a chubby little fat kid. Mm. I mean, you know, there is something about him. He has decent hand speed. In my view, 
and we, you know, we, I'm sure we'll talk about, well, we will talk about this for a whole week. Um, you know, he's got to get the job done early. This is not a 12-round oh, yeah. fight for him. But he is dangerous with his hands. And like you say, the, the great thing about this scenario is um, there are risks for Anthony Joshua. The pressure is on Anthony Joshua. And Andy Ruiz has nothing to lose other than a fight where he'll get paid a lot of money. 30000 was the last amount of money he got from Bob Arum from his last fight with Bob Arum. Yeah. Um, $30,000, they told me. Um, that's, you know, imagine what he's getting for this. I don't know his purse. I didn't, I wasn't that... Uh, I would imagine that it would be similar to what Jarrell Miller was getting. In I don't know. I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it, actually, because he hasn't had to do seven months of selling the fight and everything. But he, he will be paid handsomely for it it's a major payday a life changing payday um but but it, it it was a fascinating time and as you say we and i do agree with you um it's the reason we love the sport it's the reason we get to tell these stories the narrative of of the men and women that we cover um their stories is what lights up the sport in many ways and that's what makes it exciting when they then step into the ring mm, absolutely we'll speak about the heavyweights a little bit further on in the show cool. so make sure you stick with us uh for that more on Andy Ruiz more on Anthony Joshua more on Tyson Fury and of course we'll touch upon that fantastic knockout uh, that Deontay Wilder delivered last week as well our first studio guest is ready to rock and roll he's going to be joining us very shortly a man by the name of Vidal Riley will explain everything about him next right here on Fight Night you're listening to Talk Sport You listen to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. Don't forget you can get involved with the show by tweeting at Talksport at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis DT. If there's anything that you want to ask any of our guests this evening, you're more than welcome to do so. Come and join us on the show. Uh, you've just heard from uh, Andy Ruiz Jr., who's fighting Anthony Joshua next week. Uh, we'll have more conversation on that a little later on in the show. Time to welcome our first uh, studio guest. Now, check this out. This guy has fought at the MGM Grand, he's fought at Dubai, and he's been hanging out with Gareth A. Davis at Phil premieres it does not get better than that let me tell you <laughs> Vidal Riley welcome to the show how are you mate I'm good I'm good how you guys doing I'm good how was he this week did he behave himself at the uh, I am Duran premiere on uh, on Thursday a little bit. Of course yeah. I didn't. Of course yeah. I didn't. I was yeah. I was arguing. Do you remember the, the argument I had with security guards yeah. outside when they were filming the interview with seconds.com you, you can't take Gareth anywhere, pretty nah. much. I apologise for that, man. Listen, yes. pointing away from Universal Studios in a quad that's been newly built next to Centrepoint, there are people begging, to, doing Instagram uh, videos of themselves, and we couldn't do a boxing interview about the great Roberto Duran. <laughs> Soy Duran. You got him started now. Look, yeah, he's started. off it now. He's, he's off, off it. He's off. He's off. <laughs> um, uh, that film's out um, in June the third. June the third. Yeah, June the third is when it's out. Yeah, we'll talk a bit, little bit more on the show about that um, in due course. But let's talk about you, my man. Um, no snakes, just ladders, eh? No snakes, just ladders. Yeah, that's one of my one of my friends' brands. You know, it's a nice little concept. So rep- represent it. Now, a lot of people, um, a lot of younger people that uh, maybe pay attention to uh, a YouTuber friend of yours that uh, yep. you were heavily involved with are familiar with your work in the corner of KSI as you were getting uh, him ready for his uh, his battle on YouTube, which went absolutely ginormous. I mean, first yep, of all, huge. did did you did you believe at the time how big that fight was going to be? The most viewed fight of that particular year. It's, it's crazy because... Like, when you're living and doing certain things, 
I always say this, you never realise what you're actually doing, what you're actually achieving. Mm. We know how big they are. You know, you can look at the subscriber count and know that it's going to be a huge event. But then to get people physically in a stadium, in an arena, watching you do your thing, that's something else. And they managed to achieve that. So, mm. yeah. No, crazy. you passed over crazy. to the dark side doing that. <laughs> no, he didn't. Listen, no, he didn't. no I'll tell way. I'll tell you what you did do. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm just for boxing. All types of boxing. No, no, I'm teasing you. I'm trying to get a tease. I'll tell you what you did do that particular night, and Gareth might back me up with this. I mean, you've been around boxing a long time, Fidel, as has Gareth, right? And therefore, you go to an event, unless it's an Anthony Joshua event, the crowds are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. That particular night on the when KSI and Logan Paul fought at the Manchester Arena, the crowd, the demographic was so so different. It was families, young kids, all sorts of characters coming in there. The next generation of boxing fan were in that arena that night. Exactly that, and and. The thing is, for these kids to go to to the events, they have to bring their parents. Mm. And their parents, there's just a slight chance they might just be like, you know what, this isn't too bad. And then we've got another fan there, and now we've got the kids and the parents and the traditional fans and non-traditional fans turning up. But at the end of the day, if you have 10,000 people, 20,000 people in capacity, that's what it is. I remember discussing it at the time, Ed Vidal, and um, saying that... You know, the, the old traditional way of settling a dispute with yep. a fight, with the gloves on, or even with, with fists, that's what it was that night. And yet it became an entertainment spectacular, didn't it? Massive, you know? massive, um, massive. Was it 10 million watched online? Something like that, yeah. Something crazy like that, yeah. yeah. It was like, we was in the change room and they were showing like the live count and it just kept changing. The closer you got to the main event, the number kept growing and growing and growing. And I was just like... Cause I don't look at the screen, look at the fads, focus on what's happening here. No, he was listening to the uh, to the money chick chiming in there. That's what he was listening to. <laughs> it was boxer versus wrestler, really, though, in many ways, wasn't it? Yeah, it should have been an MMA fight for me. Oh, you, I know you're an MMA Could they guy. do it back in MMA? Or no, not? no, we're keeping it gloves on. Relax. You see what happens? You get Gareth. No, I crossed <laughs> over to the dark side a no, long time ago. No, you're you're a boxing man. You're a boxing man. Stay with us. No, no, no. I've no, I've done. I listen. Uh, Adam knows this. Adam does the same. Yeah, a big fight event is a big fight event yeah you know agreed, um agreed. in a, a big uh, ufc or a big bellator that they, they are worth it it's the same atmosphere it's the same tenacity the same efforts gone in but i've been i've been to a ufc event i was at mcgregor and habib mm. which was massive you know yeah, that's my it first UFC, ufc event yeah, yeah and the atmosphere in there was it was mad wasn't it mad yeah well mad. the whole week was mad the whole week but leave, you know? even leaving the team of arena was nuts on that night you know, yeah. I mean, but, 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 but how, um, how decent a boxer was KSI? What did he learn from? Did he improve a lot in the in the training? Did he train well, as hard he as didn't, a boxer? He didn't know how to box before. Really? Because he, he, he was so half I, decent. Yeah. So I, I taught him from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Literally, come in the gym, where to hold your hands, how to jab. The you whole beat him thing. up a little bit first of all. Uh, so get back to your keyboard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know, being a boxer myself. And being young enough to train someone and have enough knowledge to train someone, of course, we sparred a good few times just to get him, you know, used to things. But then, uh, yeah, no, he's he's going to be back soon. He'll be back soon. He he wants to fight. He saw me fight in Dubai and he was like, you know, what? I think I might be back for this. I'm like, Because yeah. you genuinely did turn a keyboard warrior into a warrior. That's what I like. Uh, you know, I, I like know. that. I like that. I don't it's really true, though, that. isn't you it? Know, but yeah. it's true. That's it, girl. Gamers are keyboard warriors, Give me aren't some they? compliments. That's it. <laughs> no snakes, just ladders, yeah? Or no ladders, just snakes with me, baby. Oh, no. We don't want that. We don't want that. But now, let's, let's talk about you and yeah. uh, and you actually box. We'll come back to your training thing in a minute, but okay, I want to talk cool. to you about you as a fighter, um, as an amateur, a very well-rounded amateur, but you mm-hmm. spent a little bit of time 
in the Mayweather gym. And I suppose that's where it really started to kick on for you because yeah. there are a certain couple of fighters in there, i.e. Badu Jack, spotted you, had a little bit of a look, mm -hmm. like what you did, and now the professional career is starting to kick on. Yeah. Um, it's crazy because um, I've been, obviously I was an amateur boxer for years, um, and I was on your traditional route, your traditional path, mm. and going out to the Mayweather gym, that changed everything. We got Gareth taking a quick photo, and let me pose quick. <laughs> cool. Doesn't work well for radio, that does it when he does this. So go in. But he's um, always thinking of multi platforms. Yeah. He's always thinking. He's being social. He's being social. <laughs> but no, going to the Mayweather gym last March um, was very eye opening for me. It was an opportunity. Was it? What, did you go there just purely for sparring? I what, went what there. The I went there just for, with KSI. Literally, yeah. I went there because he got invited by Floyd Senior to come and do a session with him. I wasn't originally on the list to go with him. And he said, listen, we're going on a boxing trip. And mm -hmm. you've taught me how to box. Like, come along, you know. And, I, you know, I was a bit reluctant. I was like, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to chill. I'm going to stay in London. He was like, okay, suit yourself. 20 minutes later, I was like, you know what, I'm going to yeah. come with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I went there. I asked to spar with Badu Jack, which, you know, many people look at and think you're a crazy guy. You're, you're an amateur and you just want to spar a world champion. But for me, it was just, I like a challenge and I like to see where I am and where I was at that time. Um, you beat him up. Didn't what, what, spar him. Didn't spar fact, him. My, my now manager, yeah. who is Baddy Jack's manager, was like, listen, you're ambitious and I like it, but relax. You know, stay where, you know, in your lane right now. And he found me someone else to spar and I done well and then that escalated. And then I sparred Andrew Tabiti, who's um, yeah. who we know is top ranked cruiserweight right now. He's in the World Boxing Super Series. For those that don't know, yeah, he's doing yep. well. Yep, and you know he's got a big fight coming up, and I done well. You know, I done well in there. Um, and that's when everyone was like, you know what? If you can be an amateur, come across here, have a good spar with one of our best fighters, we should recruit you and bring you on on board. And that's what happened. So was it? Mayweather in particular, or was it Badu Jack? Because Badu Jack has put—that's right. the reason why you were fighting in the in the Middle East. Because yes, Badu Jack so is kind of broken away at the moment, hasn't he? Doing his own thing promotional-wise. That's right. And Badu Jack and myself had the same manager, Amir Abdullah, who is the guy that looked at me in Vegas and said, "I want to work with you." And um, being Badu Jack's manager as well, when there's opportunities that arise through his promotional company, yeah. I should uh, have first dibs. I hope Amir's listening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I have first dibs, which is why I was main event as well. And you know, I bring in something different to the table in terms of the following that I have. So yeah. to main event a show that early in my career boils down to the following, combined with you know having the right connections within the industry. Mm. Let's go back even further, though, Vidal. Let's let's go back to where you grew up, Edmonton. Yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham, sorry. Tottenham, come on, Gareth. You've got to get it right. You're going to bring me here. I'm sure you said you know, Edmonton the other day. The ghetto. <laughs> you told me the ghetto of Edmonton the other day. Tottenham. Okay. Come you on. grew up in Tottenham. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is about a mile away from Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally a road can separate yeah, the, 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 but there's a difference. The North Circular Road separates Edmonton. All right. That's it. Tottenham. So I know who you support. So you'll be enjoying the, Spurs, uh, big that fan. big European Cup final, as they yep. call it, coming up. Yep. You going? No. Okay. That's why he's come on the show. He wants to try and get a ticket. That's why he's trying. Just as you said that, Kane just come up on the screen as well. There, hopefully he's fit to play. There you go. So tell me about growing up in Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, Tottenham. As Ozzy Ardiles used to tell me when I used to write his columns in the Telegraph. Do you remember Ozzy Ardiles? Do you know who he is? No. 
Okay, well, you need to look into your history there. A great, great yeah, Argentine footballer okay. who played for Tottenham, okay. as he used to okay. call it. Nice. Um, no, look before him up. Before my he, time, must be before my time. He, he was, but he was amazing. Um, and um, tell me about growing up there, though, because I want to yeah. know about your amateur pedigree and, yep, yep. and why you got into boxing and how mm-hmm. it worked out for you and what the environment you grew up in was like. Okay, so I was, I was born in Hackney um, and moved to Tottenham when I was eight, eight years old. Uh, my dad used to box, so through his experience of boxing, you know, your son's there, you muck about with him a little bit. He was like, actually, you know what? For for a little kid, decent. Like, I could work. You can work on what I had naturally. And um, yeah, long long story short, I kind of kept at it from there. Um, growing up where I'm from is it's like I feel like a lot of things look a lot worse from the outside than when you're in. You know, when you're growing up in the area, you don't really see the things that people that visit or come into the area can see. Um, but at the same time, we're not oblivious to it. So, you know, everyone's trying to work hard, get out of their position, excuse me, get out of their position, elevate and use whatever talents they have, skills they have. For me, it was boxing. You know, boxing was my talent. Boxing was my skill. So you see it as a sport, though, not as a way of fighting your way out. Of I, I, I do. I look at it as a sport because... Yeah. You know, as much as I am emotionally involved in boxing, you need to have a level head. And I don't I don't look at boxing as my only way to achieve. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a good education, do well in college. Um What did you study? I done sports science in college. Okay. Um so yeah, I was gonna I was looking at doing physio, being a PE teacher. I was actually a personal trainer for like two, three years, done well at that. That's how I met KSI anyway, through his through personal training his friends. But um yeah, you know, I know it's, it sounds much better to have a hard, rough uh, story like Roberto Duran's I was watching the other day, but mm-hmm. I can honestly say, you know, I had a good upbringing. It was a rough area, but I had two parents, loved me, looked after me, um, and wanted to keep me on the right path. So, yeah, I can't dramatise So you're that. a giant, cuddly teddy bear, really, just yeah, fights big, for a living. Yeah, I'm a big teddy yeah. bear. Everyone in life has their challenges. I face certain challenges, definitely. But um, overall... I can't complain. You got a great vibe, I'll say that. You have a great vibe I about like you. That. I like you that. do. You, I wouldn't want to fight you. <laughs> wouldn't want to fight you. No, I'd no, like to go know, down to the beach and I'm not always smiling. have a I'm few rums and d- dance calypso and play some cricket. But I wouldn't want to fight you. <laughs> no. You know? No, no. I'm sure Badu Jack didn't want kind to cut, either. I'm cutting out here a little bit in the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, Vidal, stick around with us because we've got. Uh, Vidal is going to stay around for the next 15 minutes or so. We're going to have a little bit further conversation about his uh, professional ambitions. Don't forget, coming up a little bit later on the show, Barry. McGuigan's going to be with us, as is Shannon Courtney's going to be in the studio as well. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me in studio with us at this moment in time, uh, Vidal Riley. Uh, and one of the best things I've actually seen on the internet recently, Vidal, was actually off the back of your debut, because off the back of that, you returned home, uh, you went and sat on camera uh, with your friend KSI and he's obviously a whiz on editing and YouTube and stuff like that and to watch you talk through that fight and comment through that fight I was captivated by it I, just, I want more fighters to do that so to, to talk us through their victories or even their defeats alright now this is going to sound bad but I literally only heard like six words of what you said <laughs> with the headphones cutting out on you there mate can you not yeah I can hear you now I can hear you, you now you got me I'm talking about the time when you were uh, off the back of your debut 
when yeah. uh, you returned back, sat in a room uh, with KSI, yeah. watched the fight back, and then obviously filmed your reactions to that yes, fight. Yes, I found yes. that fascinating, and I think more fighters should do that because it gave a real insight to the mind of a fighter and what they're going through during the moments of a yeah. fight. Yeah, no, see, this is this is another, um, this is an interesting angle. Um, as we know, there's tons of pro boxers out there and tons of successful ones. But with um, having that YouTube community and YouTube angle to me, I have a platform that has a good following and people actually want to hear about what I'm saying and how I feel when I'm about to fight. So, and that's got like over a million views now. Yeah. So it goes to show, you know, I might be starting a trend and setting a trend for some other fights. Keep it for yourself, mate. Patent it. You know what I mean? You can make a few quid off that, no, no doubt. <laughs> that would be the smart thing. Tell us about it. ambitions then, you know, mm -hmm. as... You know, a serious cru you're a cruiserweight. We yep. haven't said that. Cruiserweight. Um, you're, you know, you're a big guy. I mean, I was asking you the other day. You were a light heavyweight. Do you remember? Uh, and yeah. you were going, no, no, I'm a cruiserweight, cruiserweight. Bradley. Come on, Gareth. But, but I'm no, a no, but I wondered whether you. Some people thin down from your size, Definitely, don't they? Too yeah. light heavyweight. Um, tell us about your ambitions and how you're. Obviously, you're in a great place with Badu, mm -hmm. who's linked to to Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. There's great elevation and leverage there, isn't there? Yeah. So how does your career go? Does it happen in America. Badu's Swedish originally, of course. Yeah. And he went the America route. What are you going to do? Well, you know, even if we're looking at my track history so far as a pro, you know, I've had three fights in three different countries. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're not putting any limits on where I'm, where my career will be based. I feel like it's just about getting the opponent, being on the right shows, getting the right opportunities. World tour. Yeah. No snakes, just ladders, world tour. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> being I was on the Pacquiao undercard, which is huge in my yeah. second fight. Manny Pacquiao, that is, the eight-weight yeah. world champion, Manny senator Pacquiao. in the Philippines, yeah. future president of the Philippines. Did you tell him you'd train him down the line, or did you tell him that you wanted Filipino citizenship down the line? You know, you're going to fight uh, in Manila with him? Or? I literally, the closest... I got to him was the... Uh, 50 people around him. Yeah, that's yeah, it. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but what an honour, though, to be on that card. MGM Grand um, to be fighting on that card. I mean, when that call comes in, you must be thinking, yeah, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Nah, this is this tremendous. Is, that's the crazy thing about it. I wasn't even supposed to be on that card. I was supposed to be on, like, the pre-show in Vegas when they have big fight, yeah. big fight nights. They do, like, a pre-show, like a dark show. And I was supposed to be on there. And my opponent fell through on that card. And then credit to my manager, he literally didn't sleep for two days, found an opponent. Cracked a whip. Spoke, <laughs> spoke yeah, to the yeah. promoters and we're like, listen, we're, need, we're getting him on this show. He missed his opportunity on Thursday. He's fighting on Saturday night. And yeah, it was crazy to just walk out in MGM Grand. You know, as a kid, as we spoke about, just all the way in Hackney and Tottenham, just thinking, I'm going to box, I'm going to achieve something. And then now I'm in MGM Grand. Do you know what? Forgetting those snakes just ladders. What about hard work and dedication? Because that's what got you there, isn't it? Because you work, know what the mantra. Dedication. That's what we. That's the. Uh, you know, that's the Mayweather mantra. Commonly, commonly said in the in the gym. But you know what? It's it's something that every fighter has to abide by. He obviously made highlighted it and made it a big deal. But trust me, even the fighters that never say it, they have to abide by it if they want to have any success. I've been in that gym many times, yeah. yeah. Not boxing. It's, just, it's, it's great. It's, it's tremendous. And Floyd always comes at about 10, 11 at night to train, doesn't he? He does. He comes, he comes, comes late. late. But you know what? Well, since I go and have a little there, Chinese normally. There's a great... There's, it's a Chinese it's in district. The, it's in Chinatown, yeah. And, it's in, and, it's you in know, Chinatown. Because it's pointless going in the heat of the day. The, the, the best action around the Mayweather gym in, in Las Vegas is on was it what's spring mountain isn't it spring, spring mountain, mountain. Road. you know what? i haven't i haven't i haven't actually been there. yeah i haven't been there it, but it, it's like 
the gym is only open like five hours, so it's packed in there. Everyone yeah, goes in there. Tourists come in there, fighters yeah, come in exactly. there, fighters trying to Great get signed, improve themselves, go in there. So it's literally about five hours it's open and it's just yeah, it's packed in there. So that's why sometimes I don't even train down there. I train a gym that's just across the road, not too far away, because it's not as uh it's not as much of a tourist attraction. I can get down, get my work done, prepare. I know the other gym, yeah, on the other side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next, Vidal? What's next for you? Obviously, you're in that cruiserweight division. There's a there's a couple of Brits that are knocking about in the cruiserweight yeah. division. Are yeah. you are you targeting a couple of those, or are you like what Gary was saying earlier on? You beat a Coley, so, yeah. You beat a Coley, yeah. Soon. Woo, that's come on, come on. In. The source is a friend of the show. He's, <laughs> he, he listens every week. Get your venom out there now. No, I've, I've, South I've versus with, North. I've spotted Lawrence a, a few times. He's a, he's a good fighter, and, and you know what? Boxing's weird. You think you're going to cross paths with certain people and you don't, so I ain't going to worry about no one like that yet. Well, Isaac Chamberlain's a friend of the show as well. Also a good fighter. Everyone, listen, the British division Come on, right Adam, now, wind him up with me, will division you? is hot right now, but <laughs> I'm not a part of that scene yet. If you bring me back in when I'm part of the scene, I might have different answers for you. Do you know what, what I will say, though? People yeah. like Steve Collins, Chris Eubank, did exactly what you're doing. Yeah. They produced stuff over there, first of all. They did their hard yards in America, trained really hard over there. Because I do think, and I know Adam agrees with this because we've spoken about it before. Yep. Scott Quigg's done it over in America. You go and learn against lots of different styles and it really helps you, doesn't very it? Very different you know? style. You know, it's very different styles over there. Um, and boxing's about just learn as much as you can and every different style you can in order to learn the techniques to ad- adapt to and also to adopt the techniques as well. But mm. to go back to quickly to Adam's question about what's next, I want to have two more fights this year. Um, where they will be, I don't know. But we're just at that beginning phase where we're still learning. I just went the distance the other day for the first time. Um, the, my previous two before that fight with first round knockouts so you know we just had a performance where we're going to learn from and the opponents will slowly get harder and you know how the journey goes but you know we're going to add a few twists in there which makes me a bit different and uh yeah i'm just going to be doing all my social media stuff as well you know? keep an eye on him keep Great an eye on him stuff. listen we yeah. wish you all the best we uh Vidal, and uh when you are knocking on that door of uh, yeah. the british level my friend we'll have you back in to obviously uh to harness that uh, smack also, talk that's what we're you, doing. Gareth and Adam, let me know your sizes. I'm launching some new clothes. Oh, we're getting some threads. Hey, we're getting some, some new clothes. Oh, here we go. There's only one Real size. Athletics. I'm a, I'm an, I'm an XXL. Yeah, that's all right. We've <laughs> got triple X. Whatever size you need, give me a shout. We'll send it down. We send it to Talksport office. There we go. That's Top me. But Al, you're too kind. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. You've been brilliant. Thank Do you, stick man. with us. Uh, it's Talk Sports Fight Night. Barry McGuigan's on the show next. Don't go anywhere. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sports. Hope you're well. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. If you've only just joined the show, you can download this in a couple of hours from now uh, via our podcast. Get it on iTunes. You can get it via the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. You've already missed Andy Ruiz Jr., who Gareth caught up with in America uh, a couple of weeks back. And we've just had Vidal Riley, a man making his way in the cruiserweight division, former trainer 
of KSI. The boy How interesting was he, thing. though, Adam? Yeah. I mean, what an interesting man he is, you know. Um, and, can, I, and, can I finish my introduction of the show, though? So, so, you, I, 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 listen, I'm just, uh, you know me on a Saturday night when I'm in here. I'm overexcited with you. Well, That's I'm, all it I'm, is. I'm just letting people know who's on the show. We've still got to speak to Barry McGuigan. Shannon Courtney's <laughs> going to be with us in the studio. Frank Warren, Tommy Coyle and Jamie Moore you'll hear from as well. And hopefully, uh, with Don McGuinness being ringside for us at the Victoria Warehouse, we might be able to get Huey Fury at some point as well. He's just stepped into the ring and he's about a minute... <laughs> Uh, to go in the first round of his fight against Chris Norrod. Do you know what? Chris Norrod, I've got to say, doesn't look up for this. He's just hit him hard early on in the first round. Mm. This ain't going to last a couple of rounds, I'm telling you now. Mm. But uh, interesting things from his trainer, Peter Fury, of course, the man that masterminded, we mustn't forget, with Tyson Fury, that brilliant win abroad in Dusseldorf on that rainy night in November 2015 when... uh, Tyson Fury slipped three of the world title belts away from Vladimir Klitschko and changed the division that we're talking about right now forever on that night, frankly. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, sorry. I, I, <laughs> sorry for interrupting you just now, Ed. But Vidal was fascinating. Look out for this guy. I think he's going to be an interesting character in the world of boxing. Absolutely. If you missed that conversation, you can get it uh, via our podcast, which will be available on the website and via iTunes. Now, last weekend, the attention apart from Deontay Wilder's viral knockout, was most certainly on Glasgow. The World Boxing Super Series rocked into town. Noye Inoue, uh, the monster from Japan, delivered a sensational performance to unify his bantamweight division against Emmanuel Rodriguez. And a man that we spoke to in the week building up to this fight, who we tipped heavily to become the next British world champion, most certainly lived up to that billing. Josh Taylor put in, in my opinion, a nearly punch-perfect performance. I thought he was absolutely sensational um, in his fight against Ivan Baranchik and a man that was ringside who manages Josh on a day-by-day basis. He's on the show right now, former featherweight world champion right here is uh, Barry McGuigan. Barry, great to have you on the show. How are you? You well? I'm grand. Thank you, Adam and, and Gareth. I'm fine. Top class. Now, last week, watching that uh, as we were, I, before the uh, scorecards came out, scored that 117-109 to Josh. Obviously, maybe I, I got a little bit carried away with myself, but one of the judges did agree with me. How did you see it in the in the heat of the fight? And I've no doubt you've watched it back since as well. Yeah, I, I think he won it by six or seven rounds. Um, he dominated the fight in the earlier rounds. He was just trying to find his, his feet, basically. He was moving around. He didn't want to, you know, we always had the plan that he would um, you know, Shane worked out. A, uh, Shane and, and uh, Josh worked out a brilliant plan that he would just box and move, keep the centre of the ring, not hold his feet early on, and not throw more than two punches, really two, possibly three punches, in uh, in the early rounds. And then, as the fight wore on, he could then start pinching his toes into the canvas and sinking his shots in and staying close to him. He done. <laughs> He'd done that a little bit earlier than we anticipated. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, um, uh, and uh, he dropped him in the sixth round. And he had, a, it was, I think, 50, 40, 50 seconds to go. Yeah. He didn't have enough time. If he'd have dropped him a minute earlier, he wouldn't have got through the sixth round. But then he was, uh, he was ca- conscious not to empty the tank. So he, you know, after Branchett came back and put up a great effort in, in the seventh, uh, Josh just to say that he would take his time and pick him apart and then attack him when he wanted to. But really, after that, he was in charge. And yeah. you know, Baranchek was very brave, but the reality was he was he was uh, in second place the whole way. And, the, the, and I thought Josh was was magnificent, although a bit, you know, 
over-enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm glad you said at the end that, Barry, because, I, I mean, on last week, obviously, we were doing the broadcast on it. And, um, listen, Josh, we, I've spoken to you about Josh before. You know how highly I think of him and uh, as an analyst and a writer. He's, he's a fantastic character, an amazing story, a brilliant young man. But I'm sure, you know... You were tearing your hair out, if I'm allowed to say that with my barnet to you. Were you tearing your hair out over the fact... No, I mean, I, I was... I, I just, at the end, you know, at the end. He, he, uh, I, 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 what, I, what I did feel was that he just he just stayed in the pocket too long. Um, you know, as the Americans call it, the wheelhouse. He, he, mm. There was no need for him to be exactly, in there. But, exactly, exactly. But the fact is, he's got a terrific chin. Yeah, and, and it's in uh, his nature but, to do that. That's what's so thrilling about him. That's yeah. what I like about him. But I, yeah. but the reason why I asked that question, I kind of set you up for this, which is Regis Progray is a power puncher. He's a, mm -hmm. you know this, he's a dangerous mm -hmm. southpaw with a very yeah. dangerous left and a dangerous right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I just wonder whether you have to fight him in a different way, you know? Of course, there's to be a different set of tactics completely. Um, if you look at progress, he's a tremendous, uh, he's a tremendous puncher. He can definitely punch very hard. But if you look carefully and analyze his record, um, you know, he, he is definitely a terrific puncher. And the fight tactics, let me say that from the beginning, will have to be different. And, and, and Josh can't afford to stand in the, yes. in the wheelhouse or in, in punching range, or certainly not early on with mm. him. But if you look at, his, look at him and, and analyse him properly, he likes to fight at a slow pace. He's very heavy-handed. Mm. He's good with body shots, and he's got decent head movement. And he can punch hard. So, uh, but if you if you look at his opponents, right, and you look at Kirill Relic, you know, came to camp very heavy. We heard on the grapevine mm. that he was over 180, 100, over 180 pounds. You know, eight nine weeks old from from uh, the fight itself. So that you know was a hell of a job to get him into shape. Um, and you know he had got lots of problems outside the ring. Uh, he knocked out Julius and Dongo, but you know he's 36 years old, and and this previous fight had been knocked out by Crawford, yes. so he'd just taken the edge and made, made him fragile. Uh, so Terry Flanagan's really the only uh, real gauge here. That's the guy that, that he was tough and strong, and although he was dropped in the mid rounds, he got up and went the distance. So I I think. With the greatest respect to Terry Flanagan, uh, Josh Taylor's a much better fighter than that. And and although he fought recklessly and he was at home and he did want to put on a performance, he felt comfortable. He never felt that he was going to be wobbled or hurt by um, uh, by uh, Baranchek. So he will fight differently because he knows he has to fight differently against progress. And he can't he can't afford to stand in, in, in the punching range in the early rounds, certainly not. Mm. But the reality is this fight, I think he has to be able to take uh, progress out of his comfort zone and, and make him fight at a, at a pace that's going to drain him and uh, take him, you know, take him down. And, you know, in America, they call a fighter like progress a, 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 an out front fighter. Yes. Um, he's a front runner. Uh, and, and basically, that's a euphemistic term for... An on-top fighter. <laughs> a a non-top fighter. Yeah. And, and 
so he 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 likes it when he's on top. Mm. And uh, again, if you if you look at the fight against Rillick at the end of the second round, they were exchanging blows, and the bell went, and he nailed. Uh, really nailed progress with a right hand and his legs went completely. Now he went back to the corner and it was a shot that was right on the bell and they could say that. But, you know, have no doubt, he has never fought anybody like Josh Taylor before. He's not never fought anybody with the skill set that Josh Taylor Completely has. Completely agree. And, the, and, and he's a and, southpaw as well, which, and, which and is to your advantage. Southpaw. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he's, and he's adaptable. That's, yes. that's what makes... Taylor so much better. If you look at Taylor against O'Hara Davis, if you look at him against Vasquez, if you look at him against, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Martin, all of those things, he showed a different element of how good he is and what mm. he can do. Mm. And and I know that he'll go, he's going to mm. have to show all of that and more against progress. There's no question about it. But we are very, we're very confident that Josh will be able to deal with this. But, but, and the, and the, sorry, Adam. The, the, I, I was just going to say, yeah. Barry, is, is Josh even surprising you? I know that you see him in, in the gym working away with Shane and you've obviously seen his amateur pedigree, but when when these fighters go under the light, sometimes they're very, very different, but he seems to just rise every single time. Is he yeah. even surprising you? No, he's not, because where you see real ability or where you see real capabilities in the gym, that's where you see it. And, and early doors, I mean, I watched him for a couple of years and then I went up specifically to commentate uh, at the Commonwealth Games yeah. to see him in the flesh and I was you know I thought well this kid's absolutely fantastic and and so I went out and signed him and, and I, I always wanted him because he was very very good and uh, I, you know I, we noticed when he sparred with the likes of um, uh, Sean Porter you know, Sean, po- yeah. Sean Porter when he sparred uh, uh, Mendes uh, out in, in New York he was I mean, looking sparkling. The whole gym would stop and watch him, you know. And, mm. and he he's very, very good. And so we know from a very early age that 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 from early doors that he he was very good and very capable. And that's why we matched him so aggressively. Mm. And that's why he we seems got to enjoy to the, the he seems to enjoy the pressure from the fans though as well because the you know no, no, he, he, as his he celebrity's rising that. yeah as his but celebrity's he, rising but he knows how good he is. I remember you know out in the Carl Frampton camps in Las Vegas in Sean Porter's gym how he's there he's he's like he's eagle eyed isn't he? he was always soaking everything up Barry you know no, um, he, he's he's, uh, but he's supremely confident and 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 that's really where you you know that's. You know, Shane is working with him. You know, they all said that when he came and turned over, oh yeah, he's lovely. He's a great boxer, he's got great skill, but he's hot-headed and he can't punch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so just have a, have a look at his record and look who, who yeah. Uh, yeah. look at who he's who's got rid of and knocked out and how spectacularly he's knocked him out. They got that wrong. You know, he is is an absolutely tremendous puncher. And Shane has worked very hard on him, holding him. Just doing a split second more than you would normally sit on on your punches, pinching your toes into the canvas, nailing it because he has the speed then to move his head and not get hit with the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And There's... and shift from orthodox to southpaw and back mm. again mm. seamlessly. And you know, talk that talk that's created with those legs. He's got great legs. People underestimate how good his legs. Just look at the way he fights with his legs. He sits down his leg suspension, and he can he can generate tremendous power and speed in a very short. And he's actually brilliant at short range. Now, he's better at middle to long range, but he's absolutely brilliant at short range because 
He's vicious and he can block a shot and hit you with a counter in a split second. And he's just, he's got that ability and, and they're working all the time and getting better. And so yeah, he's, he's, he's a tremendous talent, but we've no, you know, we're under no illusions. It's a very tough fight. And, you know, Josh might even go in a, a, as an outsider. And, but we're not worried about that. Bar- we're very confident. Three thing three things, Barry. Um, it's huge because the Ring magazine title is on the line now. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. 30 years last Tuesday since you fought Jimmy McDonnell. I watched the fight on BT Sport the other night. I want a right. quick comment on that. 30 years ago, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and- it's hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, time goes by so quickly. Maybe not Adam, but you and I, uh, Gareth, <laughs> yeah. are, are that little bit older and, and time slips by so quickly and, and you realise, oh, hold on a second, that's... 30 years ago. 30 wow. years ago. And it was your last it's fight, crazy. of course, as well. It was, yeah. it was, yeah. 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 And, and and I just thought, it, it, with the greatest respect to Jimmy, if I can't beat Jimmy, then there's no point to be continuing on. And, you know, I wish more fighters had that attitude. You know, I've done my bit. I've got to the top of the tree. I've been involved in some amaz- uh, amazing fights and huge nights. And mm. I've done my thing. The fire is not there anymore. Um, you it was know, also a horrible cut, percent. Barry. It was a horrible yeah. cut, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know? yeah it, it, was, it was a horrible cut. And, and I, you know, what happens is, if, you know, if you get little bits of nicks here and there and you use adrenaline, over a period of time, uh, you can turn from being a, a, a non-bleeder into a bleeder. <laughs> mm. And it's interesting, my, my four return fights, three of them I cut. So uh, I I'd suddenly turned into a, a bleeder. And I remember Ernie Fossey, I can't say it on the radio, but I remember mm. coming back to the corner and Jimmy let Ernie come in because the blood was flying. Jimmy Tibbs, my, of course. My, yeah. Jimmy Tibbs and, and Ernie Fossey. <laughs> I'm in trouble, uh, but but yeah, it, and I just said it. It you know it, it didn't take me sort of ten minutes. I said, ah. I spoke to my wife. I spoke to my brother Dermot, God rest him, and, and I said, I'm 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 going to throw uh, throw in the towel, and uh, you know, and Jimmy went on and fought Azuma and put up, talk, took him into the last couple of rounds and put up a great fight, but uh, you know, it, it, I, so I. It wasn't. I wasn't able to recapture the old form, but it was time to sail into the wind. That was my attitude. And, hmm. and uh, what a I brilliant looked, career I, you had, Barry! Well, it was you. brilliant. Thank it was you, brilliant. We loved you. We still love thank you, you. Bar- Barry. Just before, <laughs> just before I let you clear off, um, yeah. there's a few fans tweeting the show. They want to know regarding: Have you had any conversations about location of the final between? Yes, uh, that's, uh, a, that's Josh. a good point. I, I, that's a very good point, Adam. I, I, I know that. Um, Nessa Sowland uh, and Cali are, are the promoters for, for Camozo and they were asked that question by the the, the, the press and he, they said, wherever it makes most commercial sense. That's That was the answer he gave. Now, with the greatest respect to um, Regis Progress, if you look at the audience in the fight that he had in New Orleans, yeah. there was nobody there. No. And the other one before that, uh, the Terry Flanagan fight, there was nobody there. Let's go then, please. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the thing the thing about it is, if they want to make it a financial success, they got to go where the crowds come out and support them. And I, I would prefer it to, to be in in Glasgow. But here's the reality: Taylor's fought all over the world as an amateur, and uh, he will not mind where it is. And I would, I, but for my sake, I'd rather it be at home because I'd like him to see him become a unified champion. Uh, at home, you know.
Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for your time, Barry. Much appreciated. Fingers crossed we thank do you, get boys. that on uh, on British soil. Yeah. Should be an absolute cracker. Fight of the year contender uh, coming up between Taylor and Perez in the World Boxing Super Series Super Lightweight Final. Stick around because Shannon Courtney's on the show next. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Guess who's back? You listen to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis. The guests are coming thick and fast on this show tonight. If you missed any part of it, you can get this as a podcast once the show is finished. It'll be available on iTunes and also be available on the Talksport website. Uh, joining us in the studio right now is a young lady that is out on the next gen card on June the 21st. It is, of course, Shannon Courtney. Shannon, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm great. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Um, your your story fascinates me, and that's why we've, we've, we've been blagging to get you on the show for uh, a short period of time. I'm fascinated because, th- don't, listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry for bringing up your past, but you used to be a heavy smoker, didn't you? A uh, heavy smoker, heavy drinker, heavy party, party animal, yeah. Well, come on, talk to me about that. Talk to me about the moment when the light bulb goes on above your head and you decide to yourself, do you know something? I'm packing all this bad stuff in. I'm going to take up fighting. That's what I'm going to do. Um... It wasn't just like an overnight thing, really. Like I was obviously really unhealthy. I actually wound up in hospital at one point because um, I was I was ill due to the lifestyle I was living, and then that still wasn't the wake up call for me. And I was just literally like smoking between twenty and forty a day, drinking every day. What were your What were your poisons at the time? What did you drink? Malibu. What were your poisons? <laughs> well, I mean, it's what's your poison? tequila man. That's I'm a tequila, like, that's total, total tequila man. In fact, I'm I'm suffering at the moment because I. On, on on tour in the last few weeks in America, I drank too much tequila. Did you? And, yeah, did you? I did far too yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, I'm not a so was it, fan. was it Malib- was it Malibu for lunch? I would Malibu start for... on Malibu, and then yeah. when you've had one too many, you don't really care what you're drinking. You'll just drink petrol. <laughs> you don't care really. <laughs> and obviously, smoking along with that. Yeah. So, so talk to me through ages. At, at what age were you, were you doing this? Um, the drinking and the party and everything was yeah. probably. Teens, early twenties. To be honest with you, no. To be honest with you, the first time I ever went clubbing, I was sixteen with a fake ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think I started smoking when I was like fourteen, fifteen, um, and then it just kind of got out of hand when I was like nineteen, nineteen, twenty, and then I started boxing at twenty-one. Right. So up until and the you point still of only 21. look about fifteen, though. That's the, <laughs> the baby that, that, face assassin. You, you are indeed. <laughs> you are the beautiful baby face assassin. I so up until the point of twenty-one years of age. You, you kind of live in the normal life of a of a teenage young lady, right? That's that's maybe to the extreme, but you're kind of in that realm of going out and enjoying yourself yeah. with your pals, all right? What is the moment then? What's the moment where you go, right? Come on, I need to get serious. Um, so I was going to like boxer size classes, and I used to stink of alcohol. And I was, I remember pretending to go outside for uh, going to the toilet, but I actually went outside to be sick because I'd been drinking before <laughs> I went to the boxer size class. And then they said, you know what? you're really unhealthy but you've got a talent so they said why don't you go down to Finchley and I thought that's what they train like Anthony Joshua and some yeah. world class like amateurs so I went down to Finchley and I remember opening the door and just the smell of the stench of the gym hit me but I instantly loved like this atmosphere and I just loved it and then they said to me you know you, you can hit hard you've got a really you've got a little bit of a talent there but and they were blunt they said but you're really fat so wow. if, if you're what's that take- like as a, as a young lady to hear that bang What's that? Is that the moment that it was hard resonates? to hear? But yeah. it was something that I knew. Like I, I, if I'm being blatantly honest to you, I would cry myself to sleep every night. And the reason I was drinking so heavy is because I hated the way that I looked. I yeah. wouldn't even look in a mirror. I would wear baggy black clothes constantly because I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. And then I walked out of the gym and I threw my cigarettes in the bin. And then I started going running. And then the next, the next session, which was on the Wednesday, they said, "How about we take you to um, watch some amateur boxing to see if you like it?" So I went to the Haringey Box Cup with them. 
and they said, oh, in three years' time, we might enter you in this tournament at 69 kilos. Wow. But I am too mind strong. So I said, okay. And then exactly 12 months later, I won gold at 57 yes. kilos. Yes, wow, did. that's amazing. Yes, you right. did. Nick, Nick Kuradulu on Twitter says, fit, loving the hair <laughs> and the pouts that I put out. Shannon looks all right, too. Um, <laughs> but, you, you, but, hang but, on a minute. You didn't sneak a picture and well, pouted out, have you? Of course he did. Of course he did. But serious, a couple of serious ones here for you. Um, really nice one. Um, how does it feel to be heading to MSG, Madison Square Garden? This is news to me. I didn't know I was oh, heading to MSG. That's what Kells14 says. How does it feel? <laughs> that might, well, you will be at some point. I hope I will be, hopefully. With the Has next... Eddie not told you you're on the undercard yet? <laughs> there was a slight rumour I was going to headline, actually, when Miller pulled out but nah, so, my next fight is at the York Hall okay yeah. listen York Hall Madison Square Garden pretty similar MGM Grand <laughs> you, no you you will do it all how has your life changed since finding boxing now there says Fenner on Twitter asks uh, Fenner completely changed I've now got direction I'm now happy and I'll know what I want out of life and yeah it's completely changed and it's for the better it's a time when um, we're talking a lot about women in sport and women in boxing um, Next week, we've got a unification, an undisputed yeah. champion, um, hopefully, in Katie Taylor. I, I think she'll become... I, I watched um, that pursuit the other day, and to be honest with you, she hits hard, and I do think she hits harder than Taylor, but there's... This such is Delphine a, Pearson, yeah, yeah. There's such a lack of head movement that Katie Taylor will exploit every round. Yeah. To be honest, I actually think Taylor will stop her. I don't think she'll knock her out, I just think the ref will stop it and just say, that's enough punishment now. Mm. I think it'll go seven or eight rounds. I think, you know, she's that's she is sure. very experienced. Um, one of the things that has happened since London 2012, I don't know if you watched that, that the, the mm. tournament as well. It was the first women's uh, yep. medals in the Olympics. Look what Claressa Shields, the American middleweight, has done. Yep. She's got the ring belt now. They've created the ring belt. They're creating a ring belt for the winner of Katie and Delfina um, next weekend as well Good. for women's lightweights. Yep. It has changed since women were in the Olympics. Yes, it's definitely evolved. It's definitely getting bigger. It's, it's on our TVs now, you know, so it's getting more exposure, mm. which it deserves, to be honest. But All women card more. at one point? Do you think? Does that work? Would that ever work? Honestly, I'd love to sit here and say yes, but no. It wouldn't draw a big enough crowd. I love your I honesty because I agree with you. It won't draw a big enough crowd. If I, I'd love to sit here and say yes, but here, no. Here's one for you then, Shannon. This might change people's attitudes towards it because I've been a big advocate of changing the length of the, of the ring time. I think we should go to three minutes for the girls I because I, I think then what we'll see is more stoppages. I think we don't really get them because we're only in two-minute rounds at this moment in time. Yes, so my last two fights, without sounding big-headed, I know if they were three-minute rounds, I would have got both of them out of there. Yeah. But, you know, with two-minute rounds, you don't have long enough to, like, you know, plot what you're going to do and then execute it. It's almost... Yeah, this is not long enough rounds. But then I, 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 I was actually reading in um, a magazine the other week about WBC ruling and why women have two minute rounds. And it's a lot of it is to do with like dehydration, how we hold less water, so yeah. there's more chance of becoming dehydrated. That's why we only did ten rounds, not twelve, same as as the men. And there's more chance of us being less fluid to the brain, so more injury. So I can understand the reasons mm -hmm. behind it. But I would much prefer to fight three-minute rounds. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll get more stoppages. Then, therefore, then, because 
let's be honest, the majority of people coming out on a Friday and a Saturday night to watch the fights, they want to see knockouts. 100%, they, of course they do, especially they, the casuals. Yeah, and if they if they get to see that, then they'll fall in love with certain fighters and then we might get to the stage what Gareth was saying a couple of moments ago. Just a quick one on next-gen cards because me and Gareth, we've been massive fans of this because it doesn't put too much pressure on people, but it's a wonderful place to showcase talents. And these next-gen cards that you're a part of now on the 21st of uh, June at the York Hall, it's the next generation of talent coming through. It's an experience of the big time, but without that pressure. It's a, it's a beautiful place to be at this moment in your career. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. It's a good bill. You've got Conor Ben, Ted Cheeseman, you know, you've got Craig Richards fighting um, Sterling. It's a really good show. It's my first six-rounder, so I'm looking forward to stepping it up. And um, York Hall's a great venue. I boxed yeah. there as an amateur. I won a title there as an amateur, actually. So, no, I'm really excited. And it's, yeah, it's not the pressure of Saturday night fight night. So it's almost a little bit less pressure. But, um, no, it'll be fun. I'm really Pe- looking forward to it. People don't know this as well, but I'm, you know... Your, your fighting style is very similar to Katie Taylor's, to Clarissa Shields. You're a very aggressive, come mm. forward, pressure fighter, aren't yeah. you? You know, you um, like a scrap. Is basically what he's saying. You like to get it on. Yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> but... Yeah, but I also like to think that I've, I've got a bit more of a slicker head movement as well, and that's purely from the boxing booth stable. Because... I think you remind me of David Hay when he fought. Believe Do you it or know not. what? After my debut, your that's, shapes. That's all I got. No, your sh- the shapes you make. Everyone but, but was saying Katie it. Taylor reminds me of Amir Khan with her shapes. Mm. Yeah, and the quick hand speed. And the quick hand speed. You, you the way you, you, you've got a wide stance, yep. haven't you? You've got a very broad, wide stance, and you and you throw. You know, you're not a big person, but you throw with tremendous viciousness and power. Mm. Um, and but but David Hay, you stalk yep. and you attack, don't you? After you know? my debut, Twitter yeah. just constantly kept comparing me to <laughs> no, David I, Hay. I see, I see the shapes. I mean, we, we work in silhouettes. It's I just about, think styles make fights. Yes, you know? so, I just think. But when you're training with Adam Booth, I think you've all slightly got a similar style because he trains yeah. us in that way. So Groves had it for a while, yes, didn't he? You course. know, and changed it. You know. So yeah, I think. It's kind of more, yeah, I can see the David Hay resemblance, but it's also a boxing booth style, kind mm. of. Where does that terror in you come from, do you think? I think it's the Irish in me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Shannon, just before we let you uh, clear off, you mentioned the gym that you're in at this moment in time. Yeah. I, I, I'm thoroughly excited by every single fighter that is in there. There some fantastic talent. What is it like on a day-to-day basis? Is it basically... Like uh, like being in the Crown Jester's parlour, so who can crack the biggest joke of the day? Is that how it's going down in there with the guys? Do you know what? We have a laugh in there, but it's also serious. Like, you know, you become a product of the environment. So I'm surrounded by current, former and future world who champions. Who are they? Who are they? Ryan Burnett, Josh yes. Kelly, Joe yeah. Joyce, Michael yeah. Conlon, Harlem Eubank. You know, there's a we've got a buzzing stable. So I'm learning from them every day, but we do, we do have a lot of bands do as well. You... And this is be very interesting for listeners as well. Do you spar with men as well? Yes, I do spar with men, yes. Brilliant. I um, I actually prefer sparring men. Of course you do. Of <laughs> course you do. Because you're getting, that's the point, you're going to accelerate when you spar with um, Ryan Burnett, people like that. Oh, I haven't sparred Ryan, no. but like they'll bring... No, I don't mean hard sparring. Oh, yeah, I, I, I sparred like, uh, Lucian Reed before yeah. um, quite a lot. Mm. Um, you know, and different. They've brought in different uh, guys for me to spar as well. But for this camp so far, I've only sparred uh, women so far. But I've only done twenty rounds of sparring so far this camp. So, how how are you finding now being uh, a role model for younger people? Because I've no doubt on with living that world of social media now, there'll be people getting involved with your Twitter, people getting involved with your Instagram. The story that you've just alluded to that I kind of knew about with the drinking and the smoking and stuff like that. To where you are at this stage. Are you are you finding it easy to 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 exist in that world now as a role model for the next generation? I try not to <laughs> say role model because I 
I, well, I you don't are. Know. Whether yeah, you like no, it or not, you I are. Guess. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you're a reformed wild child. Come on. I love it, to be honest. It's nice to have... Yeah. I get undated, I get messages all the time, thousands of messages a week of people saying that, you know, you've been a, something for my daughter to look up to or because Absolutely. of you have done this. And it, it's amazing. So it's something that I take I take on me and I, I, I try to deal with it as good as I can. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We're going to uh, keep on top of the story. 21st of June is the next time you're out. Your call, as you were saying, yeah. on the next Gen Car. Keep, uh, remember this name, put it down, uh, Shannon Courtney. Brilliant. We will uh, no doubt be interviewing you uh, off the back end. Brilliant, thank fight, you so Shannon. much. Thank you for coming in. Do thank stick you. with us. Cheers, uh, Frank Warren is on the show in a moment or two. We're going to speak to Tommy Coyle, who's out in the States as well. He's at Madison Square Garden next weekend. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You listen to Fight Night. On TalkSport, I'm Adam Catterall. The man singing in the background is alongside with me. Chumba Wumba, baby. Mm. Inspirational girl, uh, oh, Shannon yeah. Courtney. Um, oh, totally. From going from where she was in her teenage life. And there's a lot of people like that, you know. I'm sure there's mums and dads listening to this and there'll be some young people listening to this show, whether it be live as we are right now or uh, in the middle of the week during the podcast hours. Um, they'll be listening to that and a lot of her story will resonate with people, you know, smoking heavily, drinking heavily, partying every year with no real direction going on in the life. And then there's a moment that the light bulb moment that goes on. Then all of a sudden you find your real talent. And I just thought that some people listening to her talk might find a little bit of inspiration there, Gareth. Look, she's, she's incredibly fit in, in every good sense of the word. Um, she's, um, She's got terrific energy about her, Adam. She's vibrant. She's at the cusp 
of becoming another female boxing star. She's got everything she needs. She's hip, she's cool, she's beautiful, and my word, she can fight. And that resonates with people. And she she tells her story well now, and you can't ask for anything more than that. She's under the uh, the, the umbrella of the matchroom and DAZN um, cards, and she, if she continues to win, she, they will make her into a world champion. They will take her all the way up there, and she, as you say, will be a leading figure for lots of young women. And she's got that young woman feel about her as well. It's what important. a transformation over five years! No, it's important because we, like, I'm, I've brought up Katie Taylor, who's fighting next week at Madison Square Garden, going mm. for something unprecedented to become mm. the uh, undisputed champion in her weight division. But we we know Katie's t- uh, story: an elite amateur elite professional and that story maybe is a little bit too far away for for some young girls they'll look at that and they go well I'm not that if that makes sense they can see a lot of themselves I I would imagine in where Shannon was and where she is now is now believable for a lot of young people that maybe are you know making some bad choices drinking too heavily and smoking too heavily and all that you know well well I think people like Katie Taylor uh, are the ones that you know had the impression made the impression on, on young women like Shannon. I mean, you, you, Katie Taylor, I mean, she inhabits a different... This is a woman that's um, won a gold medal in the Olympics for Ireland, has played um, in the senior women's football team yes. for Ireland. She she won five world championships, six European, champions, European games. She... Um, is an extraordinary athlete. She's got an incredible fighting style. She's never done a thing wrong in her life. She loves boxing and God. Um, she, she inhabits... I do think, Adam, you know, we're, we're touching on Katie. She's fighting this woman, Delphine Pearson, on the undercard of, uh, of Anthony Joshua's fight with Andy Ruiz at Madison Square Garden next weekend. She, I think she'll be crowned the Ring Magazine champion. I do think she's on her way to being... You know, you've got Barbara Buttrick in the past, the Mighty Atom. You've got um, Lucia Riker, who's probably the greatest... Um, you know, a female boxer out there. And if you look at the pound for pounds, Anne Wolf, who is a middleweight, who was incredible puncher. You've got all these women in history. But I do think Katie Taylor, um, Layla Ali, Muhammad Ali's daughter, I covered her career. I do think, given the resonance of social media now, how big, you know, that the following is going to be for Katie, I do think she's on her way if she can keep winning and go up a weight division or maybe two and fight Cecilia Brakus at welterweight as well, is on her way to becoming the greatest uh, women boxer of all time, you know? Do you think it will need that? Do you think? Oh, yeah, totally, uh, totally. At the weekend of coming up, she's going to be fighting to become the undisputed champion in her weight category. For for her to get a super fight, you would need other champions in, to maybe come down a weight and her to go up a weight. There's got to be a little bit of compromise somewhere, hasn't there? Because Or does she give away two weight categories? Does she go up two weights in order to, to, to cement some type of legacy? No, I think that the legacy fights are these. It's Cecilia Brakus at welterweight. Remember, Cecilia has just retired, but she was 35 fights, 35 wins, the Norwegian amazing fighter um holly home to come over from mixed martial arts and fight her at boxing um obviously she's a big star of the ufc the woman that dethroned ronda rousey it resonates in a really big way in america i think the middleweight champion claressa shields this fantastic aggressive um african-american who has the style of a modern marvelous marvin Hagler as a woman boxer is a step too far she's too big 
Um, Katie does not have the the power or the size to take on Shields, but I think she goes up to welterweight. So Brakus um, and I think Holly Holm are the fights out there. I think these are the legacy fights for her. Hmm. Uh, that's all next weekend at Madison Square Garden. We'll talk about that uh, again in a moment or two because hopefully we're going to be speaking to Tommy Coyle. We we have planned to speak to Frank Warren, but we're struggling to get our hands on him at this moment in time. So let's just quickly touch upon that card that was happening in Stevenage last weekend, Gareth. Obviously, our focus was in Glasgow at the World Boxing Super Series, but Billy Joe Saunders was in action. He beat uh, Sefat Shafiri, Isufi, should I say, uh, to become the WBO. He might as well be called that because no one knew what he was called well, anyway, exactly. even before or afterwards. And if I'm honest, watching that fight back... The first half of the fight, I thought Billy Joe Saunders. You was watched absolutely... the fight back? Well, well, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it in time because I was concentrating everything that we were doing in Glasgow. I watched it the day after uh, because I wanted to see yeah, how you're Billy a had done. for punishment. Yes, mate. but the first half of the fight, I thought <laughs> Billy was really good. Of course and then he the, was. And then the second half of the fight, I just thought he didn't. He didn't put his foot down and take the guy out. I agree. Caught, he caused it through the second half of the fight, which made it quite dull, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. I mean, for me, um, and you know, Frank Warren will probably come on in a minute and hammer me over this. Billy should have gone for broke. I mean, once Billy was caught by a big shot that kind of wobbled him a little bit in the sixth round, he should have gone for broke. Um, you know, because it was his chance to make a statement. Huey Fury made a statement tonight against a very poor opponent, I thought. Mm. Um, didn't look up for it. Wasn't really interested. Um, you know, Sufi fought his way through 12 rounds. Um, look, Billy became a two-weight world champ- champion. We can't knock that. But And he's got his style. He outboxes people. He's not a puncher. He's not a Deontay Wilder in terms of power, like we were talking about in, in the super middleweight or middleweight divisions. Um, but, you know, he's still undefeated. He's an incredibly skillful boxer. Um, we just need him in the big fights, you know. And I do think that... The way to do that is to get him on the ESPN cards with uh, with Tyson Fury. I, I'm sure Frank Warren is looking at that. His promoter is looking at that at some point. It, we're in a bit of a, a weird position, though, with him, aren't we? Because I don't think he's going to get Canelo anytime soon. I don't think he's going to get Triple G anytime soon. Callum Smith signed to another promoter, so that might not necessarily happen anytime soon. The only one, I think you pointed this out last week, would be the rematch maybe with uh, a Chris Eubank Jr. But he's signed to another TV company. So where, where does Billy Joe go at this uh, moment? Well, um, I don't know is the answer. I mean, you know, there was talk about Callum Smith being a great fight. I don't think that's going to emerge. And I also think in size, it's a middleweight versus a light heavyweight in terms yeah. of frames. And I think Smith keeps him off quite handily is my view. I'd love to be proved wrong by Billy over that. But I think Smith wins that fight on points. Um, a good fight, a decent fight, but I don't think I don't think it'll be a thriller. Um, where does he go? It's so hard to say. I would love to see him go back down to middleweight. Um, you know, I I I think the Golovkin Golovkin might be an easier fight for him now. It'd be an easier fight than Canelo. Um, I think uh, Billy Joe Saunders could beat Golovkin on points. Um, Canelo, I don't. I think Canelo gets to him. I think Canelo's very close to being pound for pound number one in the world for me. And I think Canelo would even beat Callum Smith, the number one at super middleweight at the moment as well. I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the, the missed opportunity was retaining that that title against Demetrius Andrade yep. in the United States. And then he would have kicked on. So, you know, 2018 really was an Anus Horribilis for Billy of his own making, uh, in terms of the shenanigans he got up to uh, in the car by, by you know, playing yep. around and saying the wrong thing and having it videoed. It was just 
ridiculous at the time, and he got fined 100k for it by the boxing board, of course. And then maybe the unluckiness of 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 taking a substance that was for a nasal decongestant that's banned. Uh, in America, but not banned here. So he was just very unlucky in that sense. So last year was terrible. So he's he's kind of playing catch up again, mm. even though he's what is he a thirty fight undefeated fighter? You mm. know, yeah, it's crazy. Um, one man that last well, I remember speaking to this guy a couple of years ago, and he was on the verge of saying, "I'll just have one more fight, and then I'll call time," because he's a very successful businessman in his hometown of Hull. Now he's having a little bit of a renaissance and he fights against the former world champion next weekend at Madison Square Garden. I'm talking about Tommy Boom Boom Coyle and hopefully he'll be on the show from America next. Don't talk back. No, no, we don't die. Yes, we multiply. Anyone press will hear the ballet sing. Act like you know, recall. I know what both. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. If you've only just joined us, you've missed Vidal Riley, Barry McGuigan, Shannon Courtney on the show. Andy Ruiz Jr. was on the show a little earlier on as well. A man taking on Anthony Joshua uh, next weekend. This will be available as a podcast at the end of the show. So make sure you download it via iTunes or via the TalkSport website. Um, hopefully we'll be speaking to Tommy Coyle uh, in a moment or two, and I suppose this is the perfect moment for us to point our attention towards Madison Square Garden next weekend, uh, because, yes, it is Anthony Joshua's debut, and a lot of the focus is on him, and everybody's talking about him, uh, but we've just mentioned Katie Taylor uh, going, hopefully becoming an undisputed champion against uh, Delphine Pierce soon. It's not an easy fight, it's a tough fight, but hopefully Katie can come through that. But there's some also some intriguing... Uh, matchups on that undercard as well. We've got Callum Smith defending his uh, world championship against uh, Hassan and Dan. What do you make of that fight before we speak to Tommy? Uh, Gareth, uh, Callum Smith in action against Hassan and Dan. Well, I mean, really, he's a middleweight, and this is a very, it's a, this is a fight on, um, what is it, a 12 days' notice? Um, well, it know. was rumoured a, a good time ago, so I've no doubt Callum's been training no, no, for yeah, it, but, it, so I, but, I it, but it was nailed on, wasn't it, like, yeah, middle of last week? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is a, a regulation defence as far as I'm concerned for him, um, and I think he does it pretty easily. That's the way I see it. I mean, I think uh, Dam is, is naturally a, a middleweight. Mm. Um, you listen, he, he, he's had a, a very good career, um, but I do feel that uh, this is... Um, I don't, I don't want to say a gimme because it's ne- it's never a uh, a gimme. But um, no, I just see it as a straightforward defence mm. for for Callum Smith, and I don't I don't see him having any troubles with this guy. And he's clearly, like you say, he's been given the nod. It's just a very it was a very late announcement. That's all I yeah. felt um, for for this fight. You know, um, you know, um, Hassan Dam. Um, I don't, it's, just, it's just peculiar that it was announced on 10 days notice on a, on a huge event when a guy's the number one super middleweight in the world. That's all. Savannah Marshall, by the way, has just won. Um, if we're talking about women's boxing, Savannah Marshall has just won mm. um, in Manchester, which I'm very pleased about. Now then, um, one man that knew that he was on this bill for quite some time, been training hard, and I'm, I'm intrigued to talk to him about the last couple of years of his career. He's on the show right now. Uh, Tommy Coyle, welcome, my friend. How are you? Good evening, everybody. How are we all doing? We're good. Now, listen, regarding you, I remember chatting to you maybe about two, two and a half years ago, 
and you've built up a fantastic, successful business in your hometown, and you were talking about that, and you were talking about some of the gym stuff that you were doing up there and all these types of things, and you were kind of alluding to the fact that maybe there were one or two fights left in Tommy Cole before he was going to ride off into the sunset and uh, put his talents into the business side of your world. However, there's been a real renaissance over the last uh, few fights, my friend. The rise is uh, it's getting, it's getting more hectic and more hectic. At that point, two and a half years ago, did you think that you'd be at Madison Square Garden next weekend? No, I certainly didn't. I'd never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be fighting at Madison Square Garden, but um, stranger things have happened and, you know, I'm seven days away from absolutely, you know, going out there and living the dream. I spoke to um, Jamie about your renaissance and he puts it down to being in and around other elite world champions, the likes of Carl Frampton, who you've taken inspiration of. Because for a long period of time, it was just you and Jamie training. Now there's other lads in that gym and you're looking at them and they're inspiring you, you're inspiring them. And you kind of seem to be reveling in the in the team spirit of that gym. Yeah, listen, boxing's a lonely, a lonely sport as it is. And when you're training in a gym with just yourself and the trainer, it can be very lonely. Uh, some of the thoughts you have and things you go through mentally, physically... Um, you know, you're, you're on your own, but having a gym full of people, never mind people like Carl Frampton, Martin Murray, Rocky Field, and um, that have all, you know, been in um, big, huge um, fights on huge occasions. It just makes going to the gym a little bit like going to, to the museum with your granddad or something. You know, it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's a good place to, to go, a good place to be. And you realise that, you know, when you share a ring with people like Carl Frampton, you, you, you're actually better than you thought you were. Yeah. Um, you know, Carl's given me, you know, tons of confidence over the last, you know, 12 months, 15 months, and has helped me a lot and made me believe in myself. And I, I, I do, you know, well, not only Jamie and Nigel, but the lads in the gym a lot as well. Regarding regarding your involvement in that gym, because it's quite obvious that you're the prankster, mate. I know there's a few others that <laughs> that get stuck in, but you're obviously the guy. Do you go home of an evening thinking, right, how am I going to do them tomorrow? And then you go out to a joke shop, maybe go and get yourself that horn that we saw you messing about with last week or uh, or uh, cling filming someone's car or something like that. Is that what you do? Do you go home and think of how you're going to do no, on the day after? I, I genuinely don't. I just use whatever apparatus is, uh, <laughs> is most accessible. Just, I just like to try and keep it fun. I think Carl's come from a very, very serious training camp. And Carl's actually a really fun kid. Um, but I think it was all very, very serious in his previous training camps. And he, he said it himself, you know, he's loving boxing more than he's, yeah. he's ever loved it before. And me too. I, I have only got a couple of fights left, uh, two or three, three maximum, two minimum. And, you know, I, I honestly will really, really miss the gym when I do decide to to, to hand gloves up. I'll ask Jamie if I can have a job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll still turn up, mate. You'll still turn up with yeah. ca- causing havoc, won't you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> So, Tommy, the um, the biggest prank I remember you playing, the apparatus was uh, Eddie Hearn's boxer shorts. Oh, that would have been down in a hotel in, uh, in, in, what was it, in New York or somewhere at the time? I can't oh, remember. Unbelievable. We're, we're going Mission Anthony Joshua next week. 
We're going to try and get Anthony Joshua next. Oh, mate. If you get his boxer shorts mate, down, right, what are you in, playing in at? New York, <laughs> can we have, if any if any betting agent is out there, I want odds <laughs> on this. Um, listen, the, one of the big one of the big pranks or one of the big days, obviously you have this amazing um, uh, food stall, uh, market yeah. stall, grocery stall. Restaurants, in, he's got everything. He yeah, takes I, 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 but, he's but, the mayor of Hull. Exactly. And, and fam- <laughs> famous, of course, with your father, famous, of course, for the strawberries. And one day, and we've got some more audio on this that we're going to play one day you've got Eddie Hearn up there to sell them oh, and this is what a salesman he is get this get this Tommy remember this gather round gather round let's sort the buyers from the spires the needy from the greedy and those who trust me from those who don't if you don't see value here today you ain't out shopping you're out shoplifting Punnets of strawberries two for a pound in this beautiful city of Hull here you come my darling two of the juiciest punnets of strawberries yes. you'll ever see can I interest you can I interest you no 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 strawberries strawberries red as they come juicy as they come my son he is, he's made for it. He's, he's, he's made for it. Hey, listen, he's straight out of Dickens there, <laughs> selling you know on the streets, selling he it gets, on the streets. Feels right. He gets some stick, but fair play to him. You know what? He's as, he's as down to earth as they come. He's, he's sound. I've got a lot of time for him. Ab. <laughs> Just before we let you go, Tommy, because I know that obviously you're over in the states preparing for next week. Chris Algieri, former yes. former world champion. This is a top fight. Like I said, the renaissance of Tommy Coyle has been sensational over the last two years. Getting a world champion on your resume, I mean, that's the cherry on top of the cake, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. Listen, I've surpassed any expectations I've ever had in the game. Um, I'm winning out life, you know, with my children and everything I've got going on. Um, so, you know, going to Madison Square Garden and fighting Chris Algieri is just like you say, the cherry on the top. And I'm extremely excited, but I'm extremely confident. I've had a great camp, I'm in a great place. And there's one thing I can do in that fight. And right. this type of fight I'm going to put on him, I don't think he's going to want any part of it. We can't wait for it. Cannot wait. Listen, enjoy fight week. It's going to be a mad, mad week over in the States, mate. And we're looking forward to the pranks. We're looking forward to uh, you debugging uh, Anthony Joshua. So we'll keep our eye out for that, mate. Uh, enjoy the week and enjoy the fight next weekend. Take care, pal. Thanks ever so much. See Cheers, you over there, man. Tommy. Cheers, mate. Right, okay. man. Cheers. Tommy Coyle there. Sensational. Um, do stick with us. We've still got a lot to get through. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Right, we're into the final hour of Fight Night here on TalkSport. You're home for boxing. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. And as I keep telling you throughout the course of the show, this will be available as a podcast straight after the programme. So you can get on that and listen to all the fantastic guests uh, that we have had on the show. Uh, just a quick one, Gareth, before we uh, talk about the fights tonight that Huey Fury, for example, has been involved with. Tommy Coyle's a brave man, isn't he? If he's going over to America, first of all, to beat a former world champion, Chris Algieri, and then his second mission is to debag Anthony Joshua, he's the man's on a death wish. What's he up to? So I don't agree with the, the tactics, I think. <laughs> um, the last time I saw him... Um, where he was terrific was against Sean Dodd in Liverpool live and he fought a terrific fight that night and I thought he was brilliant and he TKO'd uh, Masher of course um, on the Amir Khan I think it was on the Amir Khan undercard last year wasn't it um, 
he'd be better to to box his way into this fight. He's he's a very decent boxer as well, Tommy. He doesn't want to go guns blazing. He sounded a little bit tired there to me as well. Um, listen, Algeria is a bullish kind of man. Um, look what he did against Amir Khan. Um, gave him all kinds of problems. He I he may just be saying that and putting it out there, but he, he's one of those guys that puts it all on the line. It's a late fight for him in his career. I, I wish him all the best, and I'm looking forward to seeing him out there next week. Um, earlier on tonight at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, Huey Fury um, got through his opponent, Chris Norrie, very, very comprehensively. Don McGuinness uh, was up there, and he managed to catch up with the Fist of Fury. Huey, straight out of the ring. You got the job done fairly early. Uh, and again, did you feel stronger in there tonight? Did you feel totally in control from the off? Yeah, I felt really in control. Just felt like I was playing a game in there, just messing about. Um, and just enjoyed it and obviously Chris and Iris, couldn't really hang in there much longer. Now you were working him to the body very, very well. In the end it was a shot, kind of a, the side of the head, he looked stunned, he dropped to the knee. Did you think, he tried to make the count, Mark Lyson ruled it out at nine, I think. But... Yeah, he wouldn't have made much longer. Like I say, he, he was he was taking clean shots, it was only a matter of time, he would have just landed uh, flush on the button. And like I say, he's, the, the referee's looking after the man's health. You're a bit lighter tonight than you have been you know, previously, but you look yeah. bigger, if that makes sense. So Yeah, you know what it is? I've got to give uh, Kerry Case the full credit to it because he's made me lose the weight and made me bigger at the same time. So he's, um, I've got to say, the guy's exceptional and he's put me in the best shape. Now, obviously, it's all about what next for you. You've had two cracks at world titles. You know, one, you obviously very close to Joe Parker. There's a court that messed up your plans with Thulev as well. What's what's next? Listen, very, very, uh, now we're just waiting just to get any fight. And I'm willing to fight anyone. So what comes, we go. There's lots of domestic names that could be thrown at you as well. Obviously, you've had the British title uh, as well. I mean, is, is that where you are realistically? Listen, tomorrow? I believe in want... world level and I want to be the world level. So these are the fights where I want to I'll fight anyone. So whoever puts my team in front of me, I'll fight. And if you could make a list of, of, of a couple of names now, who would you go with now to, to set you back to where you want to be? Listen, like I say, anyone. You put them in the ring, I'll fight. <laughs> it is a lively division, obviously. It's a lively division. Like I say, I'm not afraid thing. to go anywhere, fight. I'll fight anyone's bad guy. And so, like I say, we're ready. And so you may you may have been obviously a little bit out of the scene. Probably it's realistic to say in the last few months, your time is now. You're going to be back with the band. Yeah, listen, 100. Hopefully, get busy now and get uh, more fights in. Good man, thank you, Huey. Well. Back to you. Uh, Don McGuinness at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester catching up with Huey Fury after he comprehensively uh, beat Chris Norred a little earlier on in the night. He, 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 Don was obviously pressing him on uh, future opponents there, uh, Gareth. I'm, listen, I'm a fan of Huey. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He's come up short on a couple of occasions when he's gone to world level. The night, well, I think we were both ringside for the night against Joseph Parker. He just didn't let it go. I think uh, if he would have done, it might have been a very different story for him. Um, and the cut against Pulev obviously played a, a massive part in that particular bout. Do you think, I mean, he's only a young boy and a lot of people will look at those fights and they will throw shade on his world title aspirations. I personally believe that at some point he will be in that mix. Um, regarding his next couple of bouts, though, I wouldn't mind seeing him in with a couple of the British uh, operators, the likes of the Gormans of this world, and I'd even bring. No, he can't fight. He's way beyond those already. I think Adam. Yeah, you but know. from a from a fan's point of view, they're looking at oh, those yeah, well, types of well, fights, and they've and they would be more competitive than the, what they've just well, seen because that was terrible. What we've just seen tonight. Well, that not was, competitive at all. Well, Chris Norad was unbeaten in seventeen fights, and he's probably not known outside his own front room. Frankly, um, it, what that was. 
was a, was just a warm-up fight, keeping him treading water. Um, he did what he had to do. I agree, physically, I, I was watching it on the box here, on the, on the screen above us, and um, I thought he looked in terrific shape. He looks longer and yes, leaner and more like Tyson Fury's body, actually. What we've got to remember about... Um, about young Huey. We call him young Huey. He turned pro at 18, remember? He's had six years as a pro. He's only 24. He did very well against Joseph Parker. I don't I don't agree with Peter or, or, or Mick Hennessy, his promoter, his father, Peter, his trainer, or Mick Hennessy. I think he was just shaded by, by the work of Joseph Parker in that fight in Manchester two years ago for the WBO mm. heavyweight title um, that obviously Anthony Joshua now holds, having taken from the New Zealander Joseph Parker. Um, but I do like the change in his physique under Kerry Kays. Um, we're going to see down the line how effective he's going to be. Um, he's, as I say, only 24. Kubrat Pulev is one of the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. Peter... Uh, by the way, was uh, putting out there in Boxing News this week that if Deontay Wilder was looking for an opponent, Huey would quite happily step in there with him. You know, and again, he's got boxing skills. How much power he really has, mm. maybe he hasn't fully developed yet um, because of his age and because of the fact that heavyweights come later. I'm convinced down the line, Huey Fury has already been close to being a world champion. It was an eliminator against Pulev. He's fought abroad. He's done an awful lot already for his age. And because of the name Fury, obviously he'll never fight Tyson. Because of the name Fury, he's got a lot of pressure on him. But I think there's a long way to go in his career. You know, as I say, 24 as a heavyweight is very young in this current era. Hmm. So who does he fight next then? I, well, <laughs> I, I don't know really. I, I think I'm not so sure that um, uh, Nathan Gorman uh, or the obviously we know that Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman fight on July the 13th at the O2 Arena, Frank Warren's card. Yeah. They're both very brave to take. They're not brave. They're both doing a great thing by taking a fight early. Very similar, by the way, to George Groves and James DeGale fighting all those years ago mm -hmm. uh, when they fought. Obviously, they never fought again against each other. Great shame we never saw that when they were world champions. Um, but uh, it's it's a terrific fight. Gorman's boxing. Against against Dubois' power. Daniel Dubois, uh, Triple D, Dynamite Dubois is seen as a potential rising star. We don't really know about him yet from the Peacock Gym under the Bowers brothers. Um, fascinating, really. I mean, in two years' time, a year and a half's time, if he really does progress, if he beats Nathan Gorman, the uh, the great nephew of, uh, of the... Um, or, or the uncle, I think, of Bartley Gorman, the king of the gypsies, as he was known. Um, if, if he beats Gorman and... Um, goes on on a tear and improves his defensive capabilities as well we could see him challenging those very best heavyweights in two years time because he's very exciting he's got massive power in his hands Dubai I mean, he's got hands the size of shovels mm. so it's just this great heavyweight scene we've got in the UK at the moment Huey Nathan um 
um, you know, um, Dubois. Dillian, Dubois, Dillian White, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, you know, even Derek Chisora still knocking out. It's great. It's great for British boxing. I hope I haven't forgotten anyone there. Mm. Uh, well, regarding, you mentioned a couple of names there. Now, as you've said. Maybe David Price is a good opponent for, um, you, hey. but he's fighting Dave Allen there, isn't he? He's fighting the White Rhino. He's, he's fighting the White Rhino. Maybe Huey Fury getting involved with the winner of that. I don't know. But regarding, yeah. uh, you mentioned Joe Joyce's name there. He's definitely going to be on that card, July 13th, which is seeing uh, Dubois versus uh, Gorman. Now, I'm led to believe that Joe Joyce might be fighting Bryant Jennings on that particular yeah, card. Yeah, great. Which is, a, which, is, which is a great fight, is it not? Yeah, it is a good fight. I mean, last weekend, um, you know, again, we, 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 we hark back to, it was the, it was the Stevenage um, football ground card, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, last weekend where, where Joe Joyce uh, put away one of the old big Russians, didn't he? Uh, or Eastern Europeans. And, you know, it looked... It, there was an interesting comment again. I, I mentioned Boxing News here again. You know, there's a letter to Boxing News this week in which one of the uh, the readers was saying that in some ways, and this is true again. We talked about with Shannon Courtney about shapes that he looked he looks in shape in terms of the way he throws his punches, like a George Foreman early in his career. He throws slings a lot from the waist, Joe. Not a lot of head movement, but big, heavy shots. And it is true, he, he does have a silhouette a little bit like George Foreman. But, you know, that, that opponent last weekend was set up to develop his career. Huey Fury against Joe Joyce would be a terrific fight as well, by the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a heavyweight in action tonight that I'm quite interested uh, in in following the career of. He's just signed to Matchroom Sports. Philip Hergovic. Herk- Herk- oh, this guy is a talent. And I've watched um, um, him, obviously, in the amateurs, and I've watched uh, a few training videos of this guy. He punches like an absolute freight train. And if he can, you know, get a little bit of a, a run together, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix sooner rather than later. Yeah, he's he's a real, um, a very powerful guy from Zagreb, Croatia. Um, I'm pretty sure he won, what did he win? He won the bronze medal in Rio didn't he behind mm. um, in the super heavyweight division behind Joe Joyce mm. and uh, Tony Yoka who, the, of France who was the gold medalist of course um, uh, who, who, whose wife won the, the, the lightweight silver medal of course uh, a gold medal for, for France um, look um He's got a lot of decorated things about him, this guy. He, he, he's talked about, you know, he's been a European champion in 2015 in the amateurs. He was the, um, the Aiba Youth uh, um, World Champion in 2010. Um, he's the right age to come into the sport now. He's 26. There's a lot going for him. Um, you know, uh, what is he, six foot six, um, seven fights so far, five knockouts. No, everyone that's talked about him, to me, who's sparred with him, who's watched him, even Tyson Fury's given a nod to him to me. He's a guy to watch out for. Again, very similar stage to Joe Joyce. I don't think we'll see him emerge in the big fights for at least a year. But yeah, terrific fighter, great chin, very tough. And again, six foot six, another super heavyweight, Adam, to join the list. No, absolutely. Um, do stick with us uh, because we're going to be hearing from Jamie Moore before the end of the show. Don McGuinness has caught up with him. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about mixed martial arts. We'll probably throw in some bare knuckle uh, boxing as well with everything that's been going on with Paulie Malinaji this week mm. in one to two. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to do the Hall of Fame. So don't go anywhere. This is Talk Sport. Touching you, sweet Caroline. 
now then, time uh, to get stuck into something that we do on a week by week basis. Uh, I knew you'd start singing here on uh, Talksport Fight Night. Uh, we stick in into our very own Hall of Fame, various things from the world of fighting. It's not necessarily just about fighters. It can be fights, it can be fans, it can be referees, it can be trainers, it can be cutmen, it can be iconic venues. It can be anything. We stick it in there when we see fit to put it in there. Uh, and we were having a little bit of a chat before the show, and it's uh, near enough, bang on, 20 years uh, since Holyfield and Lewis finally got it on in one of the most controversial heavyweight clashes uh, to date. Um, Madison Square Garden was the venue. March 13th, 1999 is when it all took place uh, for the Undisputed Championship of the World. Let's cue the Hall of Fame. Uh, now then, Gareth, I know that you remember it. I remember being a young boy straight out of college, sitting at home watching this and being left a little bit dumbfounded how Lennox Lewis wasn't crowned the undisputed champion of the world that particular night. He got his revenge in the rematch, of course, but that night I thought he was great and we ended up getting a controversial draw, as they say in the United States of America, a controversial tie. Just uh, for everybody else that might not necessarily uh, remember this, Take a listen. This will hopefully jog your memory. Field in this last round, catching with the right cross as well. Last few seconds, it's going to go for the decision. Holyfield hugs him. Lewis raises his arms aloft. He believes that he has provided Britain with a sporting moment for the millennium there. British judge next. Judge at ringside, Larry O'Connell scores the bout. 115 to 115, even a draw, the decision is even a draw, both champions retain their It is a draw, and it is a draw because Larry O'Connell, the London judge, scored it even. What about that? Unbelievable. Uh, commentary from the great Ian Dark and Glenn McCrory, courtesy of Sky Sports back in 1999. Stanley Christodoulou uh, scored it 116-113 in favour of Lewis. Eugenia Williams, uh, American judge, scored it 115-113 in favour of Hollywood And British judge there, English judge Larry O'Connell, 115 apiece. Therefore, the uh, fight ended a draw. We've seen some controversies uh, in our time, Gareth. That was the first time I remember. I mean, I've seen upsets when I were a young lad starting to watch boxing, but that was the first time that I thought, how on God's green earth has Lennox Lewis not been crowned the undisputed champion that night? Yeah, I agree. But I think Darkey was wrong there in the commentary, in fact, when you look back on it, because it wasn't Larry O'Connell that made it a draw. It was the fact Eugenia Williams didn't score it for Holy, for, for ah, Lewis, that, yeah, yeah. in my view. Um, it was a close fight. Um, I thought Lewis just pipped it. Um, Holyfield, if you remember, was a slight betting favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Madison Square Garden, of course, almost 20 years to the day, just like a you know March 31st, wasn't it? It was called undisputed, 
and unfortunately at the end of it we didn't have an undisputed <laughs> champion um yeah, weirdly um just a few details about that as well like you say um i <sighs> Most of us feel that Lewis won the fight, but when you look at the scorecards, um, Christodoulou, Stanley Christodoulou was a brilliant judge, quite brilliant, one of the best judges there's been. I think he was right. Um, and, and that differential of three rounds mm-hmm. should have been a victory for Lewis. When they fought a second time, I thought Holyfield did an awful lot better Mm-hmm. And I had that a much closer fight, potentially even a draw. I agree. I agree. Uh, maybe even Holyfield pipping it, yet Lewis got it. And that was in Vegas, wasn't it? So, yeah. um, look, it's, it was unfortunate on the night. Um, it was um, Lennox Lewis's fifth defence of the World Boxing Council title. It was Holyfield's fourth defence of the WBA and second defence of the IBA. And you know what it's making me feel? There were 21,000 people at Madison Square Garden... Um, it generated 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. The decision was booed loudly. Um, we should be seeing these. That's why this stuff's going into the Hall of Fame. We should be seeing this fight next Saturday. It should be the WBC, the IBF, the WBO and the WBA all on the line mm. at Madison Square Garden with Anthony Joshua and another guy called Deontay Wilder. And that's the travesty here there's as a, we enter it into the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of narratives from the mid to late 90s mm. that are, that seem to not raising their the head again. I mean, a lot of people that are obviously frustrated with it not being Wilder versus AJ or it not being Wilder versus Fury or whatever... They seem to forget that politics in boxing has been around for such a long, long period of time. I mean, the narrative of this fight, the Holyfield-Lewis fight, this had Riddick Bowe involved in it at some point as well because Riddick Bowe was the original WBC champion and he's the guy that decided not to meet Lennox Lewis's financial demands for because the WBC ordered as Lewis as the challenger, the mandatory challenger, to fight him. He decided, no, I'm not having it, and he threw the WBC belt in, in the bin and therefore Lewis was instated as the WBC champion. He didn't win it. He was instated off the back of... Riddick Bo chucking it away. Yeah, and it was kind of a long time before this, really. And, and it was around ninety six, that ninety five, ninety six. I think ninety two. Like... It might have kicked was off because there was a tournament with um, Bo and Holyfield, yeah, and Lewis and Ruddock. And Lewis and, and Oliver McCall and, got in the mix as well at that point. Yes. They both lost fights as well. This is what this is kind of what you're alluding to because because fights weren't happening. Then they fought other people. They lost those fights. Then they had to have rematches. And I think it was about seven years before we ended up getting Holyfield. Exactly. Lewis. Well, we they they created a, a tournament with semi-finals for the winners to win to 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 fight over the belts. And in the end, the Bo Lewis fight didn't happen because I think Rock Newman, um, Bo's um, manager, had said it was going to be a ninety ten purse. By mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. and you know, basically they priced themselves out of it. Um, I've I've spoken to Riddick in within the last year about this, and he regrets so much that he and Lewis never fought. In fact, Lewis said the other day that when they were together at the Wilder Fury fight yeah. in December, he nearly slapped him up on on the stage. I thought Lennox was. Most unLennox like that day, actually. We were, you were there at the way yeah, when that happened. Yeah, yeah. He was outside the Staples Centre. He was most unLewis like. He still got 
Um, There's a bee in his bonnet about it. Yeah, he has. He has. He's got a bee in his in his dreads about it. Yeah, he really has. Um, but the um, it's funny, isn't it? You you look back at this 20 years ago, and so many of the same things happened that. Um, you know, people were saying, you know, at the time that I mean, I think the the Sunday Mirror at the time claimed that Eugenia Williams, who you mentioned, you, who you poo pooed at just now about her scoring, mm. um, the, you know, there was there was a front page headline. This was on March twenty first after the fight, suggesting or alleging, I should say, that Judge Eugenia Williams had received thousands of dollars to score in favour of Holyfield. Obviously, oh. that was never proven. She filed a, a libel suit, and 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 she was awarded substantial damages in fact but when you look at that whole scenario there was there were talks of robbery at the time we know what happens in boxing judging people make mistakes but that night you listen to Manny Stewart's comments and you know thinking back to it all Lewis just controlled the fight very cleverly with his jab and you know uh, and, and Holyfield never really got on the inside against him which is what he wanted to do but um my word, it's making me reflect on this time that we, more than ever when you think about this, you just feel we've got to see these huge fights and that that we're being held at bay by a tide that's just not coming in. Exactly. You know? Well, what they should do is go and speak to Lennox and they should, they should take heed and learn from history that look at where he's at right now. He still feels... Listen, he achieved everything that he needed to achieve in this game. No question about it. He was eventually the undisputed champion. But that it still bugs him that he didn't fight Riddick Bo. And I don't want Anthony Joshua or uh, Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury at some point when they're old and done and they're telling stories about uh, their great times in the heavyweight division that they're, they're talking about missing out on a particular fight. They're, they're there for them right now. If they want them, they can have those fights right now. No question. Absolutely right, Adam. Hmm. Um, stick with us. We're going to have a little bit of a chat about mixed martial arts in a moment or two. Don McGuinness also caught up with Jamie Moore, who's training uh, Tommy Coyle. Uh, they're out in the States. You can hear from him before the end of the show as well. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. She finds Beth Mead, who delivers across towards the far post. Here's Jill Scott with a bullet header, and England are 2-0 in front. It was a captain's run into the penalty area. It was a captain's finish, and it's a captain's celebration. Yeah, it was great work from Beth. Um, she's been doing a lot of work on her, on her crossing, as have all the wingers, and I thought it was a fantastic ball. It, it was one of them where you can't miss, really. I think it's, it's usually about the quality on the ball. So, yeah, it was, it was nice that I could get released a little bit more and get myself into the box, and, yeah, I enjoyed getting that goal. Uh, that was Jill Scott that you just heard from. She scored earlier as England women beat Denmark 2-0 live on TalkSport. You can catch the entire Women's World Cup live across the TalkSport network when it gets underway in June. Back to fight sports. Uh, just away from boxing for a moment and into... I'm going to go bare-knuckle boxing first, Gareth, if that's all right, because... Bare-knuckle boxing? That's right. Old school, what? mate. That's where we're going. Uh, because Paulie Malinagi, uh, former world champion in the world of boxing, is taking on... Um, a former MMA fighter in Artem Lobov, friend of Conor McGregor. We know the narrative between Paul Emile and Aji and Conor McGregor. And this week, they had their press conference for their upcom- mm. uh, upcoming fight uh, in the uh, Burt Knuckle uh, boxing franchise. And it just left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, this uh, press conference, because it, Paulie, I've never, well, I have seen him smack talk before, but I've never seen him like that. And I think he just took it far too far. For those that, that didn't see it, he was referring to spitting. He actually did spit at his opponent at one point during the press conference. He referred to spitting. Then he referred to urinating on him. It was just 
it was just an abs. It was just obscene at times. Yeah, I think Paulie's lost his mind over this. Frankly, um, he's too emotionally invested in it, isn't he? I, it's, well, it's very weird, isn't it? I mean, w- w- listen, we know that he went into, of course, he was, as you say, a sparring partner for Conor McGregor in the lead up to his fight with Floyd Mayweather, the second biggest, second richest fight in history. Of course, mm. six hundred million dollars that generated. I think there's a lot of bitterness from Paulie in the way that he was humiliated on social media by Conor yeah. McGregor and he's never really been able to forget it. But also Paulie's a very good showman and he knows how to earn money and make himself a self a fight. I do agree with you. I think he's too emotionally invested in this one because really in bare knuckle terms he should completely outbox Sartim Lobov um, because it's a boxing skill. I mean, I hated the fight between Artem and um, Jason Knight yep. in bare-knuckle boxing over in Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, a few weeks back. I mean, I, I, I wrote a column in The Telegraph about it, kind of knocking how I'd never like to see it on television. It's fine on the internet. It's fine when you buy it digitally. I hate to see that on, on broadcast on TV. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry that some of the British guys who are brilliant at bare-knuckle boxing, and there is an event on, what is it, June the 6th here in the UK. Yeah. I think it's June the, June the 8th, sorry. Um, you know, uh, good luck to them all. And, and you know, but I think a lot of boxers have a bare-knuckle fight as, as, a, on, as a bucket list fight, Adam. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm Paulie, Paulie against Artem, a lot of people are going to watch it because there's a lot of bad blood between them. Um, and I do think there'll be a lot of blood spilt when they actually fight as well. It's not for me either, if I'm uh, brutally honest about uh, bare knuckle uh, boxing. It's funny though, but I, I mean, what I want to add is I do like the fair fight um, uh, process that the travellers have and that the fair fight that people intrinsically in society, man, man, mano a mano, where people settle their differences sometimes outside the pub and they went in and have, you know, it's a, it's a very traditional working class thing where in many places where that happened, but... I just um, the argument of the bare knuckle people is that MMA was was you know with four ounce gloves was seen as the dark side and shouldn't be in front of everyone. What's right? It's wrong. And mm. but but um, bare knuckle boxing was ruled out 130 years ago. I think for good reasons in that it protects your hands and it protects your face when you wear gloves of some sort. Yeah, and I think. That's the, that's why it's so easy to be cut. There are so many jagged edges with the hands and the face. That um, anyway, that, that it is. It is what it is. It's licensed in some places. It's going to take place. I don't think it'll ever be a massive sport. Mm. You might have the odd massive event between, you know, if Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather now decided to do bare knuckle, it'd be a massive event. But it, it's just one of those things. Mm. Um. Just one final thing, um, away from boxing, I just want to touch upon um, the ruling this week of uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov's uh, colleagues and teammates who have had their ban, re- well, they've, they've had it, not rescinded, but they've had it, re- they've had it reduced. Mm. Uh, they were, for their involvement in the UFC 229 brawl at the end of the Conor McGregor-Khabib fight, uh, a couple of guys jumped the cage who were in Khabib's team and therefore they uh, were issued a ban for a year. That year, was, that ban was supposed to run out in October. However, uh, the UFC are looking to make uh, Khabib the headline of the Abu Dhabi car, which is mm-hmm. taking place on September the 7th. Khabib mm-hmm. has returned uh, to the UFC and said, listen, I'm not fighting until my teammates are allowed to fight again. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission have reduced his teammates' ban by one, well, 35 days. So therefore, they themselves will be available to fight on September the 7th. Therefore, you would think Khabib now will be shoehorned in to be the headline act at uh, UFC Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I think that is going to happen. I, I do think that that will take place. And, and, you know, he's a big star and all these... Look, it's the silly season starting again. Conor McGregor starting to make noise. I think even Keith Thurman called out Conor McGregor <laughs> today at some point. That he was fighting Manny Pacquiao. Um, but, you know, I, I one of the big... You know, we talk about these big matches that's that are going on, and we talk about you know boxers needing to cross over with different belts and fight each other and find undisputed. It's it, it's always a travesty for me that in MMA we aren't going to see the UFC champion ever against the Bellator champion. I'd love to see Ryan Bader, who holds the light heavyweight and heavyweight titles of Bellator, fight Daniel Cormier. They never fought. Uh, who holds the UFC? Uh, light heavyweight and heavyweight title, you know. I'd like to see Patricio Pitbull Friere fight, you know, the featherweight champions in the UFC and the lightweight champions cross over from Bellator. I mean, I do hope we get to that one day where they realise that there's enough money to share around to to actually have genuinely undisputed MMA champions um, we know that the UFC is is the biggest organisation in the world at the moment, but I just wonder whether we're going to get to that eventually. I do, you know, because there's so many disputes about... So many fighters in MMA tend to fight each other, you know, kind of late in their careers. But um, as I say, to return to the original point, silly season's uh, <laughs> going to start again soon. And, and I think, you know... That social media is going to go crazy when Khabib's back fighting somewhere. Nate Diaz is coming back now, of course. Um, it's fantastic that all these guys are coming back because we need them in the sport. We only need Connor back. That's it. Now, <laughs> do, do stick with us because Don McGuinness caught up with Jamie Moore a little earlier on uh, this week, and you can hear that interview next here on Talk Sport. Now then, we're nearly done. But if you've missed any part of uh, tonight's show, it is available as a podcast in a matter of moments after we finish. So get yourself online, subscribe to Fight Night on iTunes, and it will be in your feed quicker than you can say Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, Don McGuinness recently caught up with the one and only Mr. Jamie Moore. They had a little bit of a uh, sit-down, talk about Jamie's career, talk about him moving into management and training. And this is what it sounded like. Well, Jamie, good to see you in Salford, the heartland. And uh, it's interesting, obviously, away from the gym to meet you where you're looking at other potential venues to start a gym for kids in Salford to try and get them engaged off the streets. And, and what is remarkable to many people who know you and synonymous with Salford is that there are so few boxing gyms, particularly in your part of Salford. Yeah, yeah, I mean, walked in where I've grew up, uh, there's never been a boxing gym, amateur boxing gym. So um, Little Hulton is a couple of miles down the road and that's where I started um, but it was open literally for about 10 years and then it closed down so um, so yeah it's it's got it's got to that stage we, we've been looking at trying to do this for the last couple of years but for whatever reason it's not sort of took off um, but you know we're revisiting it now and it looks like there's an opportunity to open one up and uh, you know through Maverick Trust the charity what we're working alongside you know they're, they're the ones who've really opened the door for us and, and started pushing it again so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for the kids. You know, like I say, boxing was the best thing what ever happened to me. I was getting myself in trouble and stuff like that. Typical, um, typical sort of boxing story. 
um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So for me to be able to try and open the gym where it'll be able to change other kids' lives in the area where I grew up, I don't think there's um, anything better than that. More important than ever now, when every every back, every front page is about knife crime now at the moment. And you know, Greater Manchester's the same as everywhere else. It would seem everywhere everywhere has it, but it is yeah. ridiculous. It just seems more more so than ever. It is, and it, you know, it, it really is an epidemic of it at the minute. I think it's going to take a long, long time until we can get past that and, and start teaching these kids, um, you know, how wrong it is and, and teaching them, you know, that it's not the right thing to do because it seems to be that they've become it's become this sort of culture where it's the the right thing to do or the safe thing to do and it's, it's madness so it's going to take a long time to to sort it's going to take a full generation to sort of make sure that we breed it into them that you know how wrong it is and and you know people are losing their lives mindlessly for no reason so if we can try and re-educate um, the next generation and like i say it'll, it'll take 10 15 20 years but you know we, we need to be persistent with it, continue it. Boxing will be, boxing gyms across the country are going to be massively important for this. And if we can start getting that message out there and get these kids um, talking about it in a way that it's wrong rather than it's right and you know we need to do it, then then that's when you're going to be halfway there. And of course, like yourself, and you're you're prepared to do that. I know you are a charity ambassador, and you want to be a mentor for these kids. But you know, you had mentors. You had obviously your amateur coach, and you had. Oliver Harrison, yeah. and, and again, it's been a tricky couple of weeks. I know for you, you've had to yeah. say goodbye to Oliver, who had got a great send-off. But uh, again, putting to words what what he did for you, you in, in terms of your career, but also as a man. Exactly, the the impact that he had on me transcends boxing. It's, you know, it goes far and beyond boxing, and that's what amateur boxing coaches and professional boxing coaches in across the world do. You know, they have such an impact on people's lives, and. You know, reading through all the stuff what's been wrote, uh, written and spoken about Oliver over the last few weeks, um, one of the big things what stood out was the impact he had on people's lives. You know, there the was people getting up, speaking in the church, talking about the impact he had on his lives, and now their their life will never be the same again because of what he did for them. So, you know, that that's that's what boxing does. Now, sort of trying to link that into to knife crime. Um, it, it shows you the impact and the influence a boxing coach has on you, and, and not just a coach, but the the fighters and the people who who are sort of above you in in experience and and where they've you know the fights that they've had and um, stature in the club. So so they look up to people like that. And now if you get the older lads who are seventeen, eighteen talking to the younger lads going yeah, it's stupid nobody, nobody should carry a knife Though these are the little things which go a long way in the long run um, so the influence of the coaches and of the peers and the people who are above them um, for the kids in the gyms is, it has a massive impact on the way they think um, the way they behave on the streets and like I say it won't happen overnight we have to try and breed this new culture of, of kids and teach them that it's so wrong and for them to be able to pass it on to the younger kids and the younger kids and then eventually hopefully we'll get there but it's going to take a long process yeah and it, it needs people like yourself it needs people like Oliver who, who did what he did for so many years and and it's you, you and Oliver are obviously linked through your own career but also when Oliver got ill obviously you know who's the person that he'd trust with his fighters it was you yeah. so Rocky Fielding Martin Murray they came to you and and that's helped your gym now kick on again yeah. uh, and I mean Rocky's back now as well isn't he he is he is but it also helps me to be able to keep his name you know alive right. keep his legacy going 
pass on the knowledge what he taught to me. Um, so t- because I, you know, Oliver was a re- very quiet person. He, he didn't want people knowing his business. It was nice to see that he was as respected as he was because not a lot of people gave him that credit when he was here. So it's nice to see it when, you know, when he's passed. But I believe that his legacy will grow as time goes on because a little bit like Phil Martin. You know, Phil yeah, Martin was a yeah. very successful coach um, and he sort of, in time, his legacy grew because people was you know admired him so much and, and benefited from his experience and his knowledge. And I think a lot of that, uh, in the same aspects, will happen with Oliver. Um, you know, but if, if we're going to sort of try and move this forward and, and try and change the way things are, the way Oliver behaved and the stuff he taught, I've, it's, you know... I feel responsible and it's my job to then pass that on. I, I'm not the same sort of coach as Oliver in a boxing sense, but I now need to have that mindset of the stuff what he taught me outside of boxing and you know about discipline and focus and making sure you stay on the right track. These are all the stuff what these kids need to learn and you know part of a big part of this getting this gym off off the ground and making sure it's a success is that you get the right coaches in there. So you no, know, I'd want to be involved certainly early on in the you know oversee it all happening, make sure to have a, a, a decent amount of influence. I'm sure Nice Travis will, will be in there and helping us out as well because he loves doing stuff like that, community projects, you know, he does it mm. with my side himself at the minute. So so like I say it's um it's it's something which is close to me. I, I want to try and help certainly this area. Where, where I've grew up because I, I'd like to try and give something back um, but you know but in general just try and help these kids get get to get out of this sort of mindlessness what, what's going on with eyes because it's, it's crazy well in some ways the best way you can do that is just to highlight the work you're doing with your pros because it keeps you in the spotlight yeah uh, and obviously so, what, what, tell us the situation now with with the gym I know Frampton's back yeah you've got you're all you've always got fights coming up so just give us a, a rundown so Tommy Coyle fights uh, week Saturday, the 1st of June, on the anti-Joshua Bill, Madison Square Garden. Um, then we've got uh, Stephen Ward boxing in Belfast for the WBO European title. That's the 21st of June. Then we've got Chantel Cameron, uh, Maverick Trust Ambassador. Uh, she's boxing 28th of June. Um, then we've got Akib Fiaz. He's boxing at the Manchester Arena the July the 6th yeah. um, on a matchroom show. Um, 12th of July we've got Rocky Fielding and Martin Murray in Liverpool at the Olympia and then at the moment the next one after that is the 10th of August which is Carl Frampton it's looking like possibly uh, Boston but it's not uh, the venue's not confirmed yet So, it, but it's definitely the 10th of August so Frampton so. is back in and he's def- that date is, is set so, so we've been told that's the definite date it's just we're waiting on a venue it's definitely East Coast but it's looking likely to be Boston so uh, yes yeah, it's, it's you know the first step on the last leg of his career really you know they, they're talking about um, comeback fight decent enough test but, but nothing too dangerous um, and then with a view to him fighting Valdez for the world title before Christmas you say that he's in the last leg of his his kind of career his journey now so yeah. you're talking about Valdez I mean that would be quite ridiculously good really considering what happened with, with Warrington which yeah. I'm sure everyone would like to see again but yeah, yeah. if he could get that Valdez fight and, and bring something to the table and, and Josh stays unbeaten then that's a huge fight you know and to be honest I've had this conversation with Carl you know it was he didn't. He wasn't really sure about fighting again up until just after New Year, and then he was adamant. You know, he needed to to write some things. He, he's he's pretty angry with himself for the mistakes he made during the fight. But listen, this this happens at the top level. You got to take it out after Josh Warrington. It was a great performance. But um, if Carl can um, 
can you know get get his foot back on the ladder with it with this fight in August, and then go in there with Valdez, and and if he can pick that world title up against Valdez, you know first of all it'll be some story. People are writing him off a lot. Um, secondly, it'll put him in a in a great position for a for a rematch with Josh Warrington, but you know I'm not overly concerned about him fighting on and fighting on, and you know I've, I've got to be honest. It's, it's nothing to do with, with finances or anything. I just, I'd, for him as a man, um, I think he should do the right thing and get out earlier rather than later. Because um, I don't, I just, I, I've got this real thing about fighters going on too long. Mm. And if Carl can pick up a world title against Valdez, for me, that's the ideal opportunity for him to walk away at the top. You know, he's uh, not, men, not not enough fighters get out at the right time, and mm. certainly not on top. Um, you know, the only one I can think of at the top of my head is Lennox Lewis. Mm. Um, you know, Rocky Marcel, they're, they're heavyweights. You don't get fighters retiring at the top of the game, and Carl's financially secure. He doesn't have to fight. Um, he'd be in a position where he could go out on the, at the very top and leave a long lasting legacy. So I'd rather him do that. But if he has that niggle where he, he needs mm. to try and right that wrong against Warrington then I'd back him 100% of course I would but um, you know let's get this August one out of the way first and, and, and obviously Valdez is a massive test Would that but, be stateside Valdez though presumably? Yeah yeah I think this new ESPN deal yeah, yeah. Um, the deal is that it, they want to base him uh, stateside from now on so um, so it makes sense you know they're the ones who are paying the money but um, and, and like I say, Valdez is a tough, tough fight. But I've always been very confident of Carl's ability to beat Valdez because you know the old cliche styles make fights. I think it's a great fight for him. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's big fights out there for him, you know, at featherweight. But he doesn't need to do it. He really doesn't. They need Carl more than he needs them. Um, you know, he's, he's, he brings a lot to the table, finance, finance-wise, and uh, I think he'd, he'd be in a great position if he can get get this win in August, which I'm sure he will. And then if you can get the Valdez fight and get that win, what better way to finish a career? Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 